Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of August 2021, and we are in the midst of the month of Moss. Uh, Essentially, what we've been doing this month is uh, taking a look at the filmography of one Elizabeth Moss, uh, who is an actor that is very near and dear to Kyle, uh, who has recently, I guess, become enamored with the show Mad Men. Uh, How long ago did you start watching that, by the way, Kyle? I watched that like two years ago. And you just fell in love with it. Yeah, it's Um, great. Yeah, such that uh, Kyle felt the need to introduce me uh, to the world of Elizabeth Moss because I haven't watched Mad Men, nor have I watched any of pretty much anything she's done, to be honest. Uh, So this entire month, we've been taking a look at her filmography. uh, And this is our concluding episode of The Month of Moss. Uh, So Kyle, would you care to let the folks at home uh, know what it is we're going to be concluding this month with? For sure. Uh, This month, we are, for the last pick for this month, we're going to go with The Invisible Man from 2020. Uh, This is directed by Lee Wannell. Uh, I know he's done some other stuff horror-related, and I think he was in that first Saw movie, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, he and James Wan uh, have a working relationship. Um, I believe Lee Wannell has a has a pretty decent acting career behind him but he also has writing credits and now more recently directing uh so he's really come into his own in recent years and in fact uh he was the director of a uh, a lost episode of catching up on cinema a a not recorded episode but proposed episode uh that would be his his film upgrade mm. which uh i had floated as as a potential episode but then we both watched it and we just decided it's not that it's bad. It's just I don't know that I don't know that I have enough to say about it. Yeah, didn't quite didn't quite have enough. Yeah, uh, I I did enjoy it. Like I I don't think it's a bad movie by any means. Um, and in fact, I think it does share some DNA with this film in mostly in regards to like production design and just tone. Um, but that was the first time I'd ever seen one of his movies. I don't know how many films he's directed. Um, but as far as I know, he's more of a, a recent director. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this, of course, is headlined by Elizabeth Moss. Um, she's in most of the scenes in the film, so you get to spend quite a bit of time with her. Um, and it's a it's a fairly small film, and uh, the, the road to the Invisible Man is almost as interesting as the movie itself, uh, because... Uh, this is, of course, a uh, a universal production uh, because they have they have been holding on to the rights <laughs> of the, <laughs> the they've had it in their death grip, their kung fu grip for God knows how many decades. Uh, the Invisible Man franchise question mark. I suppose. Um, yeah. So the the genesis of this was um, it goes back to a, a a previous episode of Catching Up on Cinema. That would be the Tom Cruise uh, Mummy from i believe 2017 um if you haven't listened to it folks at home uh kyle and i did a compare and contrast between the uh mummy 99 uh that would be the brendan fraser headlined mummy and uh mummy 2017 meaning the the tom cruise mummy and good god that is that movie is a clusterfuck and a half i'm, I'm probably gonna catch a lot of shit for what i'm about to say but you can go ahead and skip that Boris Karloff mummy as well, because it is mind-numbingly boring. It's insane how boring that movie is. 
Yeah, it, it's it's kind of an interesting situation because I want to say this may have happened with a lot of those those older Universal horror franchises. Um, not necessarily Dracula, uh, which of course the Bela Lugosi film, as well as Spanish Dracula, um, are both supposed to be top tier, like highest highest quality of, of their era horror films. Um, Spanish Dracula is something I really would like to watch because. Um, it is ready, readily available in the U.S. because uh, the story goes, back in those days, they would use the same sets to produce multiple Oh, yes, you mentioned this, yes. Yeah, they'd, they'd produce multiple language variants of the same production, but they would shoot it on the same sets, and they'd just bring in different crews and different actors and work from the same script, just in a different language. And apparently the, the cinematography and some of the acting interpretations like from the same material are regarded by many as being superior to the Bela Lugosi version. Put a pin in that because I do want to dedicate an October to vampire flicks and that would be I think that'd be a really good one to go with because uh, I, I definitely want to revisit I was going to do vampire but that could be the old one that we uh, we uh, start with because that, that could be an interesting uh, interesting talk. Okay, well, there is no shortage of vampire media no, out there to no, choose no, no, from. No, 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 no. <laughs> so don't feel bad if you if you don't pick a winner because we you know <laughs> we have to get Bram Stoker's Dracula on here. I I've got to talk, Trevor. I got to talk to somebody about Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> well, I need an excuse to crack open the 4K that I picked up at a secondhand Ooh, store the other day. No, you didn't. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but I, I'm looking for an excuse. So you get na- on. It. You nasty. Uh, <laughs> But yes, uh, you were talking about uh, the, the road to get us to this movie. Yeah, uh, thanks for getting us back on track. Um, so the Tom Cruise The Mummy from, I believe, the year 2017 um, was, of course, supposed to be the the opening opening note of what was intended to be an entire symphony of dark universe productions. Uh Universal leaned into this so hard that uh, infamously they uh, they even went to they even took it so far as to make a uh, a specialized opening graphic for the Universal logo that that had the label Dark Universe. Uh, but it's one of those labels that's a- attached to exactly one film. Um, it was intended to be the beginning of an, a connect interconnected multimedia franchise, uh, much like the MCU, much like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course, they had that cast photo with the likes of Javier Bardem and Johnny Depp and Sofia Butella sure. and Tom Cruise. Um, and none of it came to be. Uh, none of it came to pass. Um, and the, the Invisible Man from the year 2020 is, I want to say, an attempt to balance the books. Uh, because what happened was Johnny Depp was, a, was supposed to be our titular Invisible Man. Um, in what was intended to be, you know, a whole bunch of like hundred million dollar production production value movies. So we had the Mummy. Uh, you can't you can't put Tom Cruise in a seven million dollar movie. That's just not done. Um, and then Javier Bardem, I think, was supposed to be Frankenstein's monster. And I'm sure they were planning on doing a, a another Wolfman at some point. Um, all of these were so supposed to be like Hollywood tentpole productions. Um, but in light of the Mummy 2017 just totally shitting the bed uh, in terms of box office draw and and you know critical failure, oh yeah, um, we ended up getting a, a Lee Wannell uh, had like directed seven million dollar Invisible Man. <laughs> um, uh, 
and not only that, uh, backed by the Blumhouse Company, mm. who who are of course the masters of, of return on investment. <laughs> no. uh, I was just say if you would have had a Johnny Depp, uh, Tim Burton Invisible Man, you could have spent money on that, and people would have gone to watch it because I think Tim Burton would have been he would have done just fine. Uh, potentially, um, although that that seems like a, a strange use of your Tim Burton. I mean, on the one hand, yes, you have you have strong potential for a character that is some form of social outcast. Um, any person who dis- who desires to render themselves invisible is clearly troubled. Exactly. That, that, certain, that certainly would be in Tim Burton's wheelhouse. However, and Johnny Depp's, and Johnny Depp's as well. That's part of the reason why the two of them have a simpatico is mm-hmm. that i i think they both have that vibe to them but in tim burton's case it's like his his visual sense is generally why you're paying him it's yeah. generally why you bring him to the table and yet why are you assigning him to a project wherein the chief well, special effect involves not being able to see the damn thing <laughs> what i'm getting at is the world that he builds around it like yeah sleepy hollow is probably his best looking film just as far as aesthetics like it's just awesome to look at but he also can put in good movies like uh big fish like that's not really a tim burton visual film but it's still really good yeah absolutely no he he does have straight up good stories under his belt uh Mm -hmm. despite him i think having a famous quote where he said i wouldn't know a good script if it bit me in the ass (laughs) he got beetlejuice somehow (laughs) um but one thing that actually it's funny you bring that up and not to completely derail us but i I can't think of an instance wherein tim burton has been asked to play in other people's sandboxes um what i mean by that is sandworms yeah no 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 no. that's not what i'm getting at what i'm getting at is like like franchise stuff where like an mcu director or somebody is showing up to play with someone else's toys and the mm-hmm. idea is you'll return those toys roughly in the same condition they were given to you. You won't rock the boat too much. You won't upset the apple cart. And in Tim Burton's case, I think he's regarded as somewhat of an auteur such that I, I don't think studios have the gall to suggest like, oh, we'll just bring Tim Burton into like the middle chapter of our, our multi-film series. Like, yeah, he, he's not totally going to bring his own like his own artistic stamp uh, to bear <laughs> when we get to sweeney todd uh spoiler alert for next month you'll see what I'm, you'll see what i'm talking about where i think that he could have done it it wouldn't have been this so lee Wannell tried to make a legit horror movie out of this what tim burton would do would be something different and i think it would have been a lot more fun but when, well, when we're at sweeney what, todd what, lee, just, what yeah. lee Wannell's here to do is give us a seven million dollar movie yeah. like not a penny over that. <laughs> and considering, and considering the budget, it's actually... I, I didn't even know what the budget was. I'm like, $7 million? Like, this is actually pretty good. It's a very handsome movie. Um, and I, w- I would actually say the same about his previous um, upgrade. I, I did think that that movie was punching well above its weight in terms of its visuals. Um, and a lot of that comes down to just uh, lighting and production design. Just, like, very skillful use of lighting and production di- design. As well as a... He seems to have a knack for uh, choreographing like set piece moments, like not only choreography of like the blocking of the actors, but also getting the cameraman involved. And that's something that I always appreciate is seeing is treating the camera as a participant in the action. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's a really important additional layer to, to choreographing like really slick action. Um, so it, I think he does have it in him to, to compose like a, a decent action film. 
he might need a little more than seven million dollars to do it but, yeah you know may- maybe someday <laughs> but um yeah uh, apparently the story goes uh lee wannell like was attached to this project largely on the strength of upgrade um and not only that apparently he he didn't even know he was i guess quote auditioning for for the director's seat for this production until he was in the room with the execs hmm. like he he just was called into a meeting one day and they said so like what about the invisible man he's like ah first i've heard of it but sure, sure. <laughs> but when when you think of it in that context it's actually kind of interesting because this this is a very well thought out film like it's certainly not lacking for directorial flair so clearly he can he can be a hired gun like it doesn't have to be his baby in order for him to put in good work um so spoiler alert this this is not a bad film no, <laughs> it's not it's say not that much up front i guess <laughs> uh yeah um so yeah this of course stars uh, elizabeth moss and he doesn't star but he's in it and i wanted to bring it to the attention at the beginning because I think this is the time for you to finally watch it if you haven't gotten to it. Um, this is the second actor from The Haunting of Hill House that Elizabeth Moss has worked with. Uh, she worked with one of the uh, girls from the Shakespeare Club. She plays the sister. This is her brother, uh, the guy playing Adrian, uh, is from the dude from The Haunting of Hill House, the ever-so-dreamy Oliver Jackson Cohen. Yeah, now see, Kyle, I, I could be totally off base being as I, I haven't, been looking at the man's face for as long as you have mm-hmm. uh, but i was calling this guy aaron Rodgers the whole time <laughs> he looks he looks a little bit like aaron Rodgers, and he kind of looks like that other hemsworth uh not the short one but the young like the long is it like luke hemsworth or something that sounds right yeah i um, thought at first i thought yeah. it was him yeah yeah uh, he's like he's like uh, aaron Rodgers with busted teeth <laughs> he's a I think he's better looking than Aaron Rodgers, um, and I, I hope I so. say that I, I mean, say that as a Packers yeah. fan. <laughs> no, I hope so. I mean, the man's been in vampire media. You don't you yeah. don't get a gig <laughs> in vampire media if you're not a handsome man. <laughs> Unless you're playing fucking Tom like Tom Waits's character in uh in uh, uh fucking. <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's the only way you're gonna. The only way yeah, you're gonna make it. Unless you're Chris Christopherson, rugged handsome. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're you're gonna be conventional handsome if you're gonna be a vampire. But we are entering the best time for you to watch that on Netflix, The Haunting of Hill House, and it's a hundred percent worth your time. And it's definitely if you're gonna if you watch it with the if you watch it with the girlfriend, you don't have to do headphones. But if you watch it by yourself, I strongly suggest some headphones. Okay. Well, uh, before we get into it, Kyle, um, did you watch this film with headphones? I did. Excellent. Uh, because I did not. However, mm. I could tell immediately this is a headphones movie. It is 100% <laughs> a headphones movie. Or good and sound system me, movie. That made me really happy because, again, Invisible Man. Like, if, you, if you're going to remove one visual component from the proceedings, it, it stands to reason you really ought to do your due diligence and step up the audio game. Correct. And they did. They really did. Um, mm-hmm. There's some really, really cool stuff in here that we'll we'll have to point out when we get to it. But um, I I thought it was a lot of fun on that end. I had a lot of fun with the soundscape in this movie. But um, before we get to the movie proper, just really quick, um, I'm curious, do you have any, uh, I don't know, a association or attachment to the Invisible Man? Like uh, the, the, the character or the concept or the franchise, what, however you want to phrase it? Not the character. Uh, I've gone through uh, several of those uh, Universal Monster films. Um, they're 
borderline unwatchable. Um, the only one that I really enjoy, like I genuinely enjoyed, was The Wolfman. Like, I, I think it's a good production, and there's actually good scenes of like, this is kind of spooky. Like, this is pretty good. Um, I haven't seen The Invisible Man, though, but I've heard it's actually pretty good, uh, the original one. I mean, you talk to anybody like, oh, those iconic films back then, they're all really good. I'm like, well... That was back when alcoholism was a fucking pastime, so just seeing some moving picture for 68 minutes was amazing. Um, I have seen the Kevin Bacon Hollow Man, which is problematic. <laughs> uh, very. Um, however, I, I actually will defend it as as like just a good thriller experience. Mm -hmm. um, and also from a technological standpoint, yeah. holy shit, some of those effects are still good. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that came out in like the year 2000. It was, I think, uh, 2000 on the nose. Yeah, and I think that was a Paul Verhoeven film, uh, who generally Paul Verhoeven does not miss, uh, except maybe Showgirls. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he totally... Although, that, that misses in the most amazing ways, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Kevin Bacon makes uh, Josh Brolin his bitch in that movie, which is, that is no easy feat, sir. Yeah, he puts the the beat down on Thanos. Even He even like shows off his dong. He's like, yeah. hey, Thanos, take a look at this. What you got? Wait. That's two. I, it's like I, I'm very confident with what I'm packing. How about you, bud? That's Paul Verhoeven. That's two. That's two Paul Verhoeven movies where Kevin Bacon shows his dick. Because I think he shows his. No, no, no. Wild Things. Wild Things is where he shows his dick. He's not in Showgirls. Fucking idiot. No, no. Yeah, he's not in Showgirls. But hey, you know, Kevin Bacon dick. You know, it, it's it's you could do worse. noteworthy. Yeah, yeah you, you could do worse with an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, Hollow Man. Uh, for, I saw that in the theater, and that was a really intense experience because I was young, um, <laughs> and the spe and the special effects, like I said, in the year twenty twenty one, are still pretty good. In the year two thousand, it was like, whoa, that's a gorilla, but now it's an invisible gorilla. <laughs> uh, the dog scene is still one of the most troubling things I've seen in a film. Yeah, uh, I at the time I I also had like a, a good friend who had a similar attachment to canines that you do. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, that was very traumatic for them as well. Alien 3 actually was the worst for them. Because uh, the, the theatrical cut of that one, the alien is birthed from a dog, not Correct. a water buffalo. Yeah, I think it was um, a water buffalo, which I don't know how the fuck that thing got there. Yeah, who, who the fuck knows? Who but, the yeah, fuck that, put that there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, similar to me, um, I did see the claude rains uh 1933 invisible man uh of course by the way based on hg wells novel that i haven't read um but i did see the movie a long time ago um and claude rains was a thespian with an incredible voice so you know <laughs> very very good choice for a person who's not going to be seen most seen heard and not seen um it was it was fine like it i don't remember being super bored when i was a little kid but i was little kid um but it was directed by james whale who is the same fellow that gave us the the 1930s frankenstein films mm. um, so very similar flavor in that regard but i think maybe a major difference for you um with the wolfman film is that that's a 1940s movie if, if memory serves i think you're and right I, th I think we were just in a different place like like we had advanced to a certain degree in, in terms of like how we're utilizing the camera and like how we're utilizing our sound stages and whatnot. But um, I've always been curious about the Chevy Chase movie, um, the Memoirs of an Invisible Man. It's a John Carpenter movie, actually. I um, do you what? What are you talking about? Yeah, I, I've I've never seen it, but I've always been curious about it uh, because you know I think it was 1980s Chevy Chase and John Carpenter. That's quite the combination. 
1992. Um, 1992 ship. Yeah. So, like, we're heading into nothing but trouble territory. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, his uh, flame was starting to fizzle out. Um, Sam Neill. And, and okay. John Carpenter as well. Daryl Hannah, Sam Neill, uh, Michael Michael McKean, Stephen Tobolowski. Oh, yeah. Hello. Yeah, this is... Uh, oh, and Patricia Heaton. Uh, yeah. Patricia Heaton. But yeah, no, no, you had me at uh, you had me at Sam Neill. So uh, I'll, well, we should definitely watch that. Yeah, no, I I've been looking for an excuse for ages. I I've been really intrigued by the idea of exploring uh, John Carpenter's lesser films, just because even when they're not good, it's still him. Mm-hmm. So I'm still I'm still interested uh, enough to check it out. But um, but but yeah, beyond that, I really don't have much affiliation or attachment to the character. I mean, I, I remember they were in. Um, league of extraordinary gentlemen but the less said about that movie the better yeah <laughs> but um anyway uh kyle you want to give us a plot summary for our 2020 iteration of the invisible man uh yes we are introduced to a young woman escaping from the clutches of her partner in his impossible super power mansion uh and the story unfolds of uh him somehow still terrorizing her from the grave after he's committed suicide which she is very skeptical of Ske- skeptical 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 there we go that's a uh, re- that's a very hard word i'm glad you made it through it though now s- skeptical <laughs> s- fuck i lost it uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> it's been a long weekend bro um yeah uh, uh yeah i think i got it yeah he's still being terrorized i don't want to give anything away just yet yeah <laughs> okay oh well, yeah that's a that's a decent summary uh and yeah, of course, headlined by Elizabeth Moss. And I think the one major difference, well, I mean, there's a lot of major differences. Uh, this is kind of a very different take on this story. I think one of the biggest ones, though, at least, again, the reason why I wanted to disclose our uh, affiliation with The Invisible Man is like just to give a background as to what we do and do not know um, in regards to like the, the lore or the tendencies for these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, the major difference that... that I noticed was that this is a story following a victim of the invisible man rather than the man himself. Yes. Um, Cause in hollow man, while, while we have like a, a kind of a interesting heel turn for the, for the central character, um, we spend most of the screen time of that movie following the person that will become the invisible slash hollow man, as well as the villain of the story. But most of the screen time is dedicated to following that person around, whereas this one is uh, basically following a person who's being harassed uh, mm-hmm. by by the Invisible Man. So it's 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 a different perspective to view a very very similar story, um, and it it makes for really engaging storytelling um, and also timely. Uh, the year twenty twenty, like we were discussing a lot of things. Like this was very topical. This was mm-hmm. like ripped from the headlines sort of stuff, but with like a a horror spin on it um but yeah uh, you want to go front to back on this guy kyle yeah i think we could probably do it um so yeah do you want to open us up with the worst cgi waves i've ever seen yeah i mean seven million dollars worth <laughs> i was seven worried million dollars worth of waves um yeah uh, these are not the these are not the most uh, believable waves but um they tried to do something clever here where we have our opening titles displayed over uh some rocks like on the shoreline with some waves crashing against them in the in the night and uh basically the the lettering only appears when they're drenched with water 
and then it fades away as the water seeps off of them and uh, that's how we get our opening title and then we cut to this this fucking power mansion, mansion. this is a power mansion this is yes th- this man this mansion is attempting to fuck the ocean yeah <laughs> tony, I, like tony stark is like i want it i want that's that's my new house i want that house basically it's yeah th- enormous. This, this is like think stilt house from lethal weapon 2 but like about 30 million dollars more or something <laughs> think about uh, think about stilt house from every shane black movie that yeah, takes good place call. In, <laughs> that takes place in los angeles at yeah, christmas time <laughs> um but yeah, I really like this opening sequence, and I, I just realized how much, uh, like, why I appreciated it. Because we're, we know nothing about the characters, but we're introduced to um, Cecilia, Elizabeth Moss, clearly escaping from this person. And it makes it way more tense because we know nothing about this character. All we know is that he's likely going to be the Invisible Man. I mean, just from the marketing, you kind of get the hint. So him chasing her like him coming after like we have no idea what he's gonna do what's he capable of like what what is his demeanor so it makes it a little bit more intense i think yeah uh this was a very very good directorial choice Mm -hmm. um i don't know who it falls to the script writer or the director but um i i'm a huge proponent of showing rather than telling and I was never lost for a second of of this opening sequence. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly. I pieced it together very quickly what was going on. It's clearly an abusive relationship, and this is clearly a woman who really, really doesn't want the dude next to her to wake up. Um, and not a single word is expressed. We don't see. We don't have any of this conveyed to us in an explicit manner. It's just you watch the way she moves. You watch how careful she's being, um, and this this is a movie trusting its audience to to have half a brain mm-hmm. um and i appreciate that uh, especially because you know sometimes sometimes studios mandate like we no people are gonna get lost and not gonna be able to figure it out it's like no dude like this this is pretty easy just let let your very very talented actress do some of that acting shit <laughs> uh screenplay by mr Wannell, actually yeah, like I said, he does have a writing background. I'm not at all surprised by that. And uh, good job. I uh, will say that much. Did a good job from a writing standpoint. But, um, yeah, we get this really long sequence, like several minutes long, of Elizabeth Moss easing out of bed. Um, and every every movement she does is so calculated and so careful. It's it's, it's like, don't wake daddy, uh, mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the board game. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we do see that she uh, she drugged him. Um, she we see a, a like a pharmaceutical container of a uh, diazepam, mm-hmm. which uh, because I'm a dork, uh, I know as the drug that Sniper Wolf takes in Metal Gear Solid uh, mm. to to prevent uh, arm tremors while holding a rifle. Uh, <laughs> but um, she goodness. uses it's it's a tranquilizer as far as yeah. I understand. Uh, uh, and yeah, she put him to sleep. Yeah, uh, I thought. She's taking the meds with her, so I think they're supposed to be her meds, but she drugged him with her meds, but I'm not entirely yeah, sure. Her her name is on the bottle, okay. so she somehow got a prescription for it and, and the, was sneaking them. And she's, this is really well thought out because she goes to the closet. Uh, she dumps out the water, which I didn't understand. I guess she was hiding the evidence that she put the water, like she put the drugs into the water. Um, but she's got her social security card, her uh, passport. She's got a, she's got a basically a spy bag full of her stuff ready to go. Um, Learn the character's name is Adrian. Adrian! Um, 
yeah, and then she uh, very quietly makes her way down to the Dr. Krieger laboratory where he had... Well, actually, it's more of a Dark Knight uh, laboratory, but uh, yes, he's got all kinds of gizmos and gadgets. Yeah, remember, we're dealing with $7 million here, so minimalism is is what we're going for here. Uh, we're going for that iStore, I, I the Apple Store aesthetic um, mm-hmm. for, for the laboratory setting, but... Um, yeah, she grabs her go bu- her go bag uh, from a vent. So clearly, this has been premeditated for probably for a very long time. Yeah, uh, she's thought this out. She's waited for an opportunity, and also the very first thing she does when she wakes up is look at the clock. Um, so, no words are spoken, uh, but all we all we can really gather from that is that time is a factor here. So, it comes into play a little bit later, but. Um, yeah, how did you feel uh, about heading into the laboratory in this opening scene, Kyle? Because this kind of plays the movie's hand almost really, immediately, if you're paying attention at all. Yeah, it's really clear what's happening. Uh, once you, once things start happening, Like it's obvious that he's created some kind of mechanism to turn himself invisible. Because we see he's got, there's like, there looks like Dark Knight suits down there, like the, the advanced Batman suit. And then we do focus... Uh, not too terribly long, but just long enough for you to take notice of what becomes the Invisible Man, uh, gear maker or Turner Honor, whatever it is exactly. <laughs> Turner Honor. <laughs> um, she just kind of looks at it like she's not really sure what it is, but she walks past it. Uh, I don't even know what she grabs down here. I can't even remember. She's tweaking the security. Cameras. Yes, yes. Like yes. she's disabling the security system so she can leave unnoticed. Yeah. Um, but she does leave the camera on the on the bed so she can keep tabs on yeah. Adrian. Adrian. Um, yeah, and then she's quietly going down the hallway. And then boom, she fucking <laughs> kicks the dog bowl, and I like my heart stopped. Like, oh fuck, that's it. That's done. Who? Why would you put the dog bowl right in the middle of the hallway? That's insane. Not in this house. I mean, you got you got all this square footage. Like you you got this 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 fucking crazy mansion you put you put the bowl there jesus yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah the the laboratory thing like i wasn't sure how i felt about um but my gut tells me i don't remember seeing any of that in the marketing like i don't remember hearing any dialogue in the commercials or anything or in the trailers suggesting like no. he he built a thing or he he used science to to make himself invisible it's open-ended because when you watch the trailer it's like it could be a ghost it could be a laboratory experiment it could be technology who knows now see i think that was deliberate on the part of on the part of the marketing team and the producers and i my theory is that ghosts are fucking marketable man yeah. like the, i i don't know what it is kyle but there is a like a huge chunk of the population that if ghosts are involved their ears perk up <laughs> I, lo- I love I love a haunt like good atmospheric horror ghost. I fucking love that shit. It's well, the best. What's so weird about that is I say there's a huge chunk of the population. Like there's a lot of people out there who could not give two shits about horror cinema, but if you involve ghosts, mm-hmm. they they will pay out the nose to check out your fucking ghost, your shitty ass ghost. Movie. Yes, because we all most of us believe that ghosts don't exist, but we've been alone in our house and we hear a creak and you're like, "Fuck." I <laughs> I gotta call the Ghostbusters, dude. I got a ghost. Well, as far as I know, only one official Ghostbusters team actually exists, and they're in Chicago. So we out here in the Pacific Northwest are kind of shit out of luck. God damn it! Yeah, um, I don't. I don't want to call our local ghost service. Jesus Christ! Who knows who's gonna show up to your door? It could be fucking anybody. <laughs> Either way, they're bringing a ponytail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
90% chance that they don't have any hair on the top of their head with that. Oh, yeah. That mon- monkey butts and ponytails, deadliest of combos. So um, where did you first hear the apparition? Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, my, my, my gut tells me, like, and I, I, I could be totally wrong, but I don't remember hearing any mention of science or technology in the trailers. So I want to say that it's like they're trying to get that ghost money. See, <laughs> I had a suspicion just because of like when I found out it was an Invisible Man, not remake, but or like a reimagining more or less. I'm like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be technology. Like that's the only way you can make make a fresh start, like a contemporary uh, attempt at making the Invisible Man. I'm like, I feel like it's gonna be some kind of technology. And when she goes downstairs into the lab, I'm like, yeah, done. That's what it was. Well, I mean, it's based on a H.G. Wells novel, and traditionally, yeah, the the uh, the Invisible Man is a product of science. So, plus, I I came into it expecting science as well. But you know, horror movies exist to make money generally usually from like especially if it's like a mainstream horror product it's for young people who maybe don't give a shit about hg wells or claude rains from 1933 so <laughs> i would imagine a lot of them showing up to the theater and just being like oh he's fucking invisible man maybe he's a ghost <laughs> who the fuck is lon cheney yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, so she kicks this dog bowl, but she manages to get out to the garage with there's an Audi and a couple motorcycles. And just as she's leaving, she opens up the garage door, and the most adorable pooch is just standing there, just waiting, just wondering, like, where are you going? Are you leaving without me? And I was just, she turns to leave the poor dog, and she's like, I, I like that she's just like, she starts to walk away. She's like, God damn it. She goes back, <laughs> <laughs> takes off his collar, and lets him go out there with her. But not before setting off the Audi's uh, alarm. Yeah, uh, he has a big old like electronic collar on by the way. If um, that dog walked onto my property, I'm not even a gun owner. But if that dog walked onto my property, I would be scared shitless. I'd be like, "Do we have a gun? Are you sure there's not a gun somewhere? Because <laughs> there's a fucking monster on the front yard." I mean, he's cute, but he's also massive. Yeah, he's a, he's a big boy. <laughs> yeah, and he looks like he's got some growing left to do too. But yeah. Um, yeah, she accidentally sets off the car alarm, and drugs be damned, uh, Aaron Rodgers awakens from his deep slumber, um, and uh, we see lights coming on in the mansion as she uh, hops the stone fence, by the way. Um, this is what I was talking about, about production design. Um, I noticed that like a lot of the like the set design was very similar to Upgrade. Mm. Um, it, it's that particular brand of like ultra-modernism or... Uh, it's like just cement, like or, or futurism, where it's like it's just blocks of stone. Um, mm-hmm. Blade Runner twenty forty nine kind of did the same thing as well, mm-hmm. where it's like it's we're we're so far into futurism that we've come back around to like ancient stuff, where mm-hmm. where they deliberately were like designing things to look like ancient Egypt in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and this mansion kind of has a similar vibe to it as well. Lots, lots of just like just shaved stone pillars and mm-hmm. and lots of blank stone surfaces trevor it's all about not getting stains and location two it's two important things and being able to afford an entire team of housekeepers (laughs) a 36 million dollar house easily yeah these are not pieces of property one can one can manage without having multiple sets of hands to just do it for you it's the kind of house that if you can afford it you have more of these you don't just afford this one you've got three of these yeah it's like why drive into town when i can take 
a uh, I don't know a questionable VTOL craft of some <laughs> some yeah. sort that the normal people the normies don't have access to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she uh, she runs over the fence and into the nearby woods, and then she hits I guess the only road in town basically. Um, and we can tell that she's uppity here because this is where the the clock comes into comes into play. Where uh, I'm guessing she was trying to time it just right that her uh, her pickup vehicle, uh, I think Emily is her sister's name, uh, is supposed to be picking her up on this road, and she has like a couple seconds just to think about think about what's going on and and worry about what could potentially happen here. Um, we get a tense moment of her looking into the woods, and this is where the sound design was really cool because, like, it really feels like she's alone, but she's not. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's there's no one actually there, but just the the soundscape they create here like is very tense. And I would imagine in the theater this was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, event- eventually uh, Emily comes and picks her up from the road, and uh, she she drops the bottle of diazepam by the mm-hmm. way as she's getting into the car. Um, and then, Kyle, do you want to describe what Aaron Rodgers does here? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Moss gets into the car at the last second as he as uh, Adrian is just gunning it towards the car. And he just fucking power punches the window. Meanwhile, her dumb shit sister is just like, what's going on? What is the problem? What is going on? I'm like, drive, fuck! Like, he's <laughs> his hand is bleeding. He just punched out a, win- a window. Like, what about this? There's no calm. We're not talking this out. Drive. But she manages to get out of there somehow. Yeah, no, it it is about four in the morning. I'm sorry, Emily. Can we talk about it later? Can we talk about it later? <laughs> Let's get the fuck out of here. Okay. But yeah, Adrian, he he does a T-1000 run straight up, straight oh, through the yeah. woods and towards dun, the dun, 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 dun. <laughs> He's got the on, knife hands going. <laughs> he is on a, like, he's like, she just kind of moves out of frame. You just see this. <laughs> it's so fast. No, like I'm telling you, man, he's got the faux hawk and like, and he's pretty built too. So, like, yeah. is that Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> like, he's yeah. pretty, he's pretty tall, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, and yeah. He punches straight through that window. He he does the Terminator One deal, where it's like he's probably on PCP or some shit. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then uh, we see his bloody hand pick up the pill bottle, and then uh, we cut to another Terminator shot. Uh, we see Elizabeth Moss just staring out the front window like a psychopath, like much like Arnold in T2. <laughs> That's right. It's like, how long has he been standing there? It's like, long all time. night. All <laughs> night. Um, but yeah, so she's staying with a, uh, she's staying with a friend. Uh, what was this fellow's name? James. James. Uh, I don't, this actor looked familiar, but I couldn't place him in something that i see, I had the same reaction. Uh, I had to look him up. Uh, his name is Aldous Hodge, and uh, man, this guy has the most fascinating of filmographies, Kyle. Uh, it's it's really remarkable, actually, because he is he has been working for quite some time since 1995, in fact, um, and he has worked with the best of the best of the best. Star so first, Trek, straight out of Compton. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. First credit: Die Hard with a Vengeance, presumably when he was oh. a very young person. Is he one of the kids? One of the the two kids? If I had to guess, yeah. Um, I'm guessing, yeah. And then somehow he was also in A Good Day to Die Hard, the the, the Die Hard we don't talk about. Yeah, we don't so talk. he's been in two Die Hard movies. He's worked with George Miller because Happy Feet, 
Like that still counts as a George Miller movie. I, I don't care how you slice it. He was in the Lady Killers, apparently. Uh, um, he's in Supernatural, uh, a a show that I've actually just recently started, and I'm telling you right now, it is fucking great. It is a really fun show, and it has I'll 15 to, fucking seasons. I'll have to tell my girlfriend about that because that was that that show is Tumblr. Like, oh. as far as I understand, that show is. If you want a summation of what Tumblr is, just look up Supernatural. Ste- Steph's got some serious hots for the shorter guy. Like it's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, does she? Does your girlfriend really like that show, Supernatural? I don't know if she did, mm. but uh, she was a part of some other fandoms that I think just peripherally, you know, she had some contact with. So she's well aware of like the fervor, like of the fan base. It's it's a lot of fun. It's actually worth your time. Okay. But um, anyway, this Aldous Hodge fella uh, is very much on the come up. Like he has, he is like five seconds away from arriving and becoming a, a household name. If if you ask me, I recognize him from Big Mama's House. He's the uh, he's one of the guys that he plays basketball against. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it's been a long time since I saw that one, but I have seen that movie multiple times. Oh yeah, multiple I will, times. I will, yeah. I will own up to that. But um, yeah, he's he's in uh, Hidden Figures apparently. Um, I really want to see a One Night in Miami uh, that came out the same year as The Invisible Man. Uh, oh. Just on a conceptual level, that sounded really cool. Um, and uh, because he's a very handsome man, you know, like in the in the prime of his life, of course they've got him signed up for some superhero stuff. Oh uh, yeah, to- he hasn't skipped triceps day. My God. Yeah, he's almost like comically oversized in this yeah. movie. He's like, his, his <laughs> all, like, like he legit spent like two months just sculpting the triceps, and he gets himself into spots where he can just basically flex the triceps. Well, see that that's called pre gaming. Basically, this is <laughs> no. Basically, this is like auditioning for yeah. a superhero role, where it's like, dude, I'm 34. Give it's me spawn. 2020. <laughs> Give me spawn. Give, like, me, give spawn. me something. Like I'm. I know one of you is gonna bring me something. Mahershala. Like, I'm just gonna, fuck. I'm just. I'm just gonna keep getting bigger until you give me something. <laughs> and sure enough, he's. Uh, he's going to be in Black Adam, uh, aka the The Rock headlined uh, DC comic superhero film oh. as a Hawkman, uh, who is a character with a long and complicated legacy. So hopefully, uh, he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. But. Um, mm. Long story short, I like Aldisage. Like he seems like a cool guy. Uh, he, I I would not mind seeing more of him in in whatever I end up watching down the road. He does have a really good uh, a really good couple of moments in this movie, especially with with his daughter. Um, yeah, yeah, actually, I thought his chemistry with his daughter was fantastic. Like he he comes across as very warm, but yeah, he is comically oversized in yeah. this movie. Like he looks very out of place. Yeah. Um, I I thought at first that was going to be like a plot element. Where it's like the idea of having this Herculean guy like staying at the home of a guy built like that. It's like a false sense of security well, or something. It doesn't really come into play, but I kind of like from a thematic standpoint, that does actually. Well, there I, is something there. I'm interested to know how they're friends because it doesn't seem like Adrian is the kind of guy that would let her hang out with this dude, like at all. Like ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was to this day actually like having watched the film i never quite pieced together how these people know each other because as far as i know she apparently is like an architect or at least went to art school he's a cop yeah with with he's a single parent these are generally circles that don't fraternize yeah i feel like maybe they're 
childhood friends. Maybe he used to date her sister or something. I but really yeah, don't a- know. Adrian would not be okay. No, with, you know, Captain McMuscles <laughs> hanging out with his gal. He would be very much intimidated, rightly, because yeah, this dude's pretty good looking. Um, he, he's he's pretty good looking. He's pretty good looking. <laughs> so she's staying with him, uh, James, and she tries to go to the mailbox, and then there's a runner coming by. She's got a little bit of a. Not agoraphobia necessarily, but she's got a little bit of a fear of going outside, much like Shirley. Um, but yeah, as she's going out to the mailbox to overcome her fear of going outside, uh, a runner comes up on her very quickly, and you know she gives up. Um, yeah, she does. She does a lot of that acting shit here. Um, this this is like acting exercise one on one type stuff. But you know, for for me, who's not an expert on this sort of stuff, it it's still. It's still really cool to see anyway, even if it's pretty basic stuff. Just the way she carries herself, um, just this this walk to the to the mailbox tells you so much about her mental state. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really simple. Again, purely just showing, not telling. Um, and it's it's brief, too. Like, it doesn't bog the movie down or anything. It's just really effective direction. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. Uh, yeah, then we get a scene of her uh, sitting on her computer, and she's maybe reading an article about like optics or uh, like cameras and surveillance, and about she's about to read an article about how your computer camera uh, people can hack into it and record you and stuff like that. So she she takes some nail polish off of the uh, counter and just kind of glosses it over the camera, so it's so blurry that you can't make anything out of it. Uh, but then there's a rap at the door. Yeah, that whole time she was putting the white out or whatever the nail polish i was like dude the, you got a tape. handyman working on yeah tape lady electrical tape. You, elect- might, you might want you might want to take it off and you know call mom and dad at some point or yeah something. <laughs> call i Gam Gam. think mom and dad might be dead though uh, they're never mentioned and she's very tight with her sister so yes we, that we, was my guess well there was a there was a thread in the email that she sends to her well supposedly sends to her since uh since her sister says you should have died instead of so i'm guessing that yeah yeah again that's really effective storytelling because i didn't catch that but it it is implied mm-hmm. um again also just the the construction of the characters also you have a obviously vulnerable person in an abusive relationship who's the kind of person that falls into this sort of trap it's the kind of person who doesn't have a support system at yeah. least like doesn't have the same options that many other people have um but yeah, she covers the she covers the camera on her webcam, and uh, James gets the door for her. And uh, hey, it's her sister Elizabeth or Emily rather, uh, who is played by Harriet Dyer, uh, who is our first confirmed Aussie uh, in this film of many. <laughs> um, man, I don't know what the fuck it is, but I want to say like Australia has become like one of the most important countries for, for horror film, horror and just film production in general. Because well, so many things seem to be shot there, and so much of the acting talent obviously comes from there as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, was Bob? It must be. It must be economical because I mean we saw with Mortal Kombat as well, where it's like I think a lot of it was shot there, and obvious obviously a lot of the cast came from there as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, but yeah, she's a confirmed Aussie. I was getting a. Uh, maybe this is just me. Her facial construction was making me think of Isla Fisher. Um, she, uh, I first, she does kind of look like Isla Fisher. I, I see what you're talking about. Um, yeah, no, she reminds, her rapport with her sister reminds me a little bit of, uh, Amy from Veep. Uh, you'll have to watch it sometime, but I really wish it was her sister. Her sister, 
her dynamic with her sister in that show is fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, I can see the Isla Fisher for sure. But yeah, uh, Emily comes in and uh, she has some news, and that would be um, well. First, uh, Elizabeth Moss has to hold court and just kind of pace about the room and uh, remind Emily that you're breaking the rules because uh, yeah. Elizabeth Moss, Cecilia, is very, very, very paranoid at this point. Um, apparently, she forbade her sister from coming to James's house where she's currently staying because she's afraid that Adrian will trace her and find her basically like she'll he'll follow her and, and get to james's house um fortunately emily tells her that hey uh that guy that you're really worried about following me and finding you uh he killed himself he did yeah, yeah. and uh it was it was really interesting seeing how elizabeth moss uh how her character handled this news because it's like mixed emotions are clearly apparent despite like we the audience knowing just based on like the you know the one paragraph summary of the story that this this person is not good clearly this is a person she's been wrapped up with for a while Mm -hmm. um and you can tell like it's just there's there's some element of loss even though it's a a bad thing uh it's not entirely relief i guess is what i'm trying to get at yeah it's not really yeah She's not buying it, but we don't really quite get that yet. Um, but yeah, then we we cut to let's see here. I think we go to talk to the brother. Uh, yes, he was an optics entrepreneur. This is where we learn this. Um, but we haven't we haven't met him yet. No, sorry. Um, she talks about her uh, uh, Adrian being an optics op- entrepreneur. And this is where she has the moment at the table where she's just like he was super controlling. He controlled every aspect of my life. Um, and then he went, like he what, he controlled how I looked, what I ate, when I left the house, what I said, what I thought. Um, and she said that uh, recently he wanted to have a baby, and she just didn't want to have a baby with this guy. So she started taking birth control, and he caught on to it. And we don't really know what happens from there, like what, what exactly happened. Basically, she said that uh, she was well aware of the fact that taking birth control on the sly was wasn't going to placate him for like that that just wasn't going to work forever uh so she got out in front of it and decided to find a way to escape um which involved calling emily to pick her up that night um but james uh actually asked her at one point like what what did he like beat you or something and in not so many words she says and then some and then uh, some implying that you know there was even worse things at work here so clearly really awful situation for her um i think it was i think they were together for a few years um Mm -hmm. which is rough times for her and all credit to elizabeth moss she does a very good job of kind of just expressing the weightiness of all of this and like having to carry all of that into virtually every scene in the movie well it's interesting for me to see her play this kind of role because I generally only see her play like really strong or uh, Shirley. I wouldn't say is a Shirley was a stubborn character, um, not necessarily a strong character. But this is the first I've seen her like terrified throughout like the whole film, and she does it really well. Yeah, she's an actress. <laughs> Actor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was um, like, well, if you were to have Robert De Niro play somebody who's scared, you're like, yeah, I'm not buying that, dude. Uh, you have one lane and one lane only, and that's tough guy. Yeah, it, it's funny because, like, he, I think he has tried multiple times to not be that. He just 
can't do it. He just it. can't not. He just can't not. Like he's he's an incredibly talented actor, but there's just certain things that having having that facial construction just denies you. I it's think like, the, no, I, I don't I don't buy it for a second. So. Uh, the closest he gets is Brazil, and even in Brazil, I'm like, he might snap, dude. I don't trust this guy. <laughs> um what was what was the name of uh the one with michelle pfeiffer um i watched uh Mary- star something or other um, i'm not sure i i'll have to look it up but uh i watched it with my girlfriend my girlfriend like grew up on it apparently she liked it um he plays against type he plays a uh a, a effeminate gay pirate um okay yes and he does it he does it incredibly well like he does it incredibly well like 90s gay or contemporary gay uh i would say more 90s gay okay um but it's it's in a stardust is what it's called by the way stardust and uh it's it's a fantasy film but it has a very it has like a princess bride kind of winking sensibility to it oh Um, 2007 yeah it's a lot of fun oh ian mckay oh he's the narrator Yeah, yeah i'll watch this no, my my girlfriend was very enthusiastic about it. I was expecting it to be oh. crap, and then and then we watched it, and I was like, you know, this this is actually kind of fun. You had a reason. You had a you had good reason to be skeptical. It's Matthew Vaughn. Um, uh, before we move on, I have to tell you something. I meant to tell you last week, but crisscross applesauce from uh, Green Green Room is one of the main brothers from Peaky Blinders. And I didn't realize it until I looked up uh, uh, Green Room, uh, like before we recorded the last podcast for some reason. And you brought it up during the podcast, I'm about to tell you. But yeah, that actor, he's really he's really good in Peaky Blinders. Well, he's good in Peaky Blinders. No, I, I'm big on Joe Cole. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's very, very talented. I um, Again, uh, with the girlfriend, I'm, I've been trying to watch uh, Gangs of London. Mm. Uh, I I bought the the whole series on the Blu-rays, uh, and he's the headliner of it. It's from the same director as the Raid films. It's about British gangs. Sure, sign me up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he's the headliner of it. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, we get some mail. Uh, Elizabeth Moss, Cecilia, uh, gets some mail at James's house, which is worrying. Because yep. no one's supposed to know where she is. Correct. So put a pin in that. But um, she gets a notice in the mail, and we don't get to read it all, but we do see that it's like notice to air. Mm-hmm. Um, H-E-I-R. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, um, and uh, immediately we jump to the city. I believe this is, is this San Francisco? It um, is San Francisco. Um, and we meet uh, Adrian's brother, uh, Michael Dorman, playing Tom Griffin who is also a confirmed... Uh, he's a New Zealander. Uh, he's a Kiwi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, who, who probably hates Bill Skarsgård, because... Thank you! Yeah. Thank you so much, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, he looks a lot like Bill Skarsgård. They have shown up at the same audition offices. Yes, 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 yes. Definitely. Yes, 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 Most yes, yes. definitely. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, I, I want to know what the call sheet... Well, what was the call for that? <laughs> what, what were we looking for exactly? Um, so, yeah, bro, uh, the brother is uh, the um, executor of the estate, and he lets her know that uh, she uh, has a contingent remainder in uh, his estate. And the contingency is that she can't get in any trouble, uh, stuff like that. She can't get arrested. Um, so it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting moment here. Like he's trying to like apologize on behalf of his brother, and her sister's like, "Nope, we're 
not going to do that. And he's like, well, I have to read this. He's like, you're not going to read it. Email it to us. I'll fucking tell her. Like, it's a good moment. Like, sister being like, you know, kind of like being the good big sister. Um, but yeah. He's like, all you have to do is just sign this, fill out your account information. I'm going to give you uh, increments of $100,000 uh, just basically until it's paid out. That way you don't have to pay any kind of taxes or uh, uh, any fees or anything like that. And we don't see her sign any papers, but we cut to uh, uh, James's house, and he's bought her. A, she's bought him a ladder, so we can kind of assume that she's gonna keep the money. Oh yeah, no, she she kept the money. I like the energy uh, that that Tom had, where he's he's kind of smarmy, he's kind of prickish, um, but you can tell there's there is some sort of complicated ugly legacy between he and his brother mm-hmm. um and uh this was this was some really interesting like plantings here where it's like i think he was intended to very much be like i don't know like you're supposed to be squinting at him and being like i don't, I don't trust know. this guy i don't know about, don't know that about this guy like that that's a lot of money that's not going to him and his brother's dead and like doesn't appear to be a lot of love between the two of them. If it had been Bill Skarsgård, that would have been too much because you'd be like, "Oh, that dude's fucking evil for sure." Yeah, I love that they even made this guy have a shitty mustache just mm-hmm. to make him look that much more dickish. He's gross, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he looks kind of gross on top of being a dick. Um, but yeah, uh, just a couple of scenes earlier, we saw James uh, on a ladder that was like on the verge of snapping in half. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is her. This is Elizabeth Moss demonstrating that she pays attention she cares about the people around her um and yeah she got him a letter which uh she encourages his daughter who's played by storm reed uh sydney is the daughter's name uh to climb uh to get a little envelope which uh, tells her that hey you have a bank account that's going to be filled with cash so you can go to i think parsons is the school the college yeah, she wants to go yeah to. there's there's a little little dialogue earlier which is like i want to go to this school it's like well maybe you should think about some other school to go to because we can't afford to send you to fat it's like fashion school or something like that uh but yeah she's basically it's the the, the alan parsons project uh <laughs> account um she's gonna put money into in her it's so sweet like she uh she's a good little uh she's not I guess she's technically a child actor. I'm not how I don't know how old she is. She's supposed to be like maybe 17, 18 in the movie. Uh, but she's good. She has a nice little emotional reaction to that. Dad, of course, it's a super emotional moment. Um, and then they decide to. Uh, uh, we've, this is where we learn that James is a cop for one. Uh, and then we bust out the bubbly, and we're gonna have a little bit of celebration. Yeah, the celebration is where the uh, aforementioned chemistry comes into play. This was delightful to watch. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I love the little song and dance he gives her when they're celebrating that with the champagne he's like ah you're celebrating but you're not well, 21 <laughs> further complicates this relationship because she would have to be really tight with this guy because i mean if i got five if i was like hey you're gonna get five million dollars just gonna get you in increments i'm like am i gonna set up a college fund for my niece and nephew i would do that sure i, I would do that my friend's kid nah dude <laughs> i don't think so yeah, it, it it's a little it's a little far fetched. Ooh, but, you know. what about okay? So how about this? We don't I, we don't know this is what happened. Parents died when they were younger. Her sister, the two sisters, were raised by another family. This was their uh, adopted brother that they grew up with. So he like this would this would explain how she could still be friends with him, but not be technically family. Uh, but have this close enough bond that you would set up a bank account, like set up a college fund for the daughter. 
Maybe. I mean, when Emily comes over, she's obviously super tight with him too. Mm-hmm. So obviously they've all known each other. They're they're really tight with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the how and the why I guess isn't super important. And the emotion, like in the uh, in the email, it kind of we kind of allude to. She's like, I wish you would have died instead of mom and dad. That comes from a place of like maybe they were really young when it happened, and there's kind of some displaced anger. So I'm gonna go yeah. with adopted brother. Sure, I'm fine with that. I'm All comfortable right. with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is where the cinematography starts to get fun. Yeah. This is where we get some of that horror shit. Yeah. Uh, so we've had we've had plenty of that acting shit. It's time for some horror shit. Uh, so everybody's having a good time, and then our director makes the clever decision to put the camera all the way down the uh-huh. hallway, watching things from a distance. And it's like, is this a POV shot? Mm. I don't know. You never really know. You really don't. But that's part of the effectiveness of having an invisible something or other, mm-hmm. is that um, they have so much fun with the cinematography in this movie, Kyle. This it, it's this is why I say in the theater this movie probably would have played really well because they shoot it with like the way they lens the movie it's like we're going super widescreen mm-hmm. like we are leaving so much empty just negative space in the frame and it encourages you the viewer to scan to frantically yes to, yes to play around in the frame you could so not- instead of instead of giving you a distinct focal point they're just like nope we're just gonna let you decide where you want to look <laughs> yeah because like in the theater and i've been in the theater for scary movies and i'm like like for scenes like this you're like what the fuck where the fuck's it gonna come from and then it doesn't happen mm-hmm. like fuck okay so yeah that's actually uh, what happens th- here this was this was really cool i liked a lot of this <laughs> yeah go, go ahead go ahead yeah uh, so we we cut back to uh Cecilia's bedroom where I I like the construction of her room where you can tell it's makeshift it's just like yeah. some space that she carved out a little niche for herself because she's not staying here forever um, and then uh, this is where the, the soundscape in addition to the visuals start to come into play where we, we hear this faint like like chittering noise like clicking um, and this is explained in, in a really cool way later on in the film but until then, it, it's like a signal. It, it, it tells you, the viewer, that like I don't even know what the fuck that's supposed to be, but there's no visual component to it. So it's like, oh, yeah. And then also, filmmakers also made the very clever decision of having uh, crickets mm-hmm. uh, be on the soundtrack during a lot of the nighttime scenes, which sounds very similar to the clicking that I'm describing. They're Thereby masking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we'll learn later, this clicking has a very distinct purpose to it. Um, but for the time being, it's just this unsettling presence that's like, is that a fucking bug? Like, it, did I slip into the Grudge movies or something? <laughs> but but um, Elizabeth Moss just, like, is looking around the room, and she has no real reason to look around. But the way they frame these shots, it's like, it, it really convinces you that there might be something there. No, we, the director has told us, hey, you better start looking for stuff. So everything moving forward is going to, it might have some stuff. So, oh, yeah, in the very next scene, the way the camera's set up in the kitchen, mm-hmm. it's just, like, as wide as it gets. In fact, the, the I'm not going to lie, Kyle, the construction of this home, like, the the layout is a little suspect. Yeah. Uh, this kitchen is a little too spacious, <laughs> and there is no goddamn furniture. <laughs> like, there are no tables. There are no chairs. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this is in the Bay Area, and he's affording this on a cop's salary. 
I don't think so. Sing- single income cop salary? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Teenage oh. daughter, probably a lot of expenses involved. Mom's out of the picture, so I don't know. There might have been life insurance money, so maybe. Yeah, may- maybe mom was doing all right. Yeah, maybe m- mom collected before no, she passed. She was writing uh, romance novels under a, 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 a surname. <laughs> <laughs> I love that subplot. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah, Lethal Weapon. That's well, fantastic. Trisha is Ebony, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, Ebony Clark. Ebony Clark. So you are Boykiner. Yeah. Uh, I am Boykiner. I am Boykiner. Uh, so yeah, she's uh, she's cooking some bacon and eggs. We learned that uh, they hit the they hit the bottle pretty hard last night. And she's like, yeah, just the champagne really got me hungover. So uh, James is off to work, and uh, he asks if he can wake up the daughter. And uh, Elizabeth or Cecilia uh, leaves the burner while the bacon and eggs are going. And I had to rewind it because I wasn't even sure if I if I heard or saw it because I kind of just looked down and I heard like a just a little noise, and yeah, and then the burner just by itself just gets even hotter, and this thing it, it kind of unrealistic. I don't feel like it would have caught up. It's a little fast. It's a little a little, fast. a little fast, and I don't know how long she was spending, you know, trying to wake this girl up, but basically this thing starts smoking and it just poof, catches on fire. Elizabeth, uh, uh, Cecilia. I'll give her. I'll give her this one. She is hungover, and it's it would make you way more panicky. She goes to the sink to grab a glass of water, and I'm sure you were like me, going, "Don't use water. <laughs> You're only gonna make it worse." But fortunately, the daughter. Uh, what was her name in the movie? I forgot. Uh, what was it? I just Lynn, called. I, I just called her no. daughter the whole time. Sydney. 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 Sydney comes in and is like, "Don't use water," and she grabs the fire extinguisher and. Um, the subtle humor in this movie, it was it was nice here. It was quick, but she's just like, you think we could salvage it? <laughs> she says, no, no, I don't think we, do. I don't think we, uh, I don't think we can. No, I liked how quick Sydney was to grab that fire extinguisher. She'd mm. done that before. <laughs> she's done the same well, thing, I'm sure. She's also, she's you know, smart kid. You know, she she knows how to do this. Um, yeah, but but um, yeah, this whole sequence is really sold well by the fact that it's done in one take mm. um the whole the whole making is, yeah. the bre- making the breakfast saying goodbye to james uh having elizabeth moss leave the set to go wake up sydney all of it's done in one take and yeah it, it's really easy to to miss the the burner being turned up um and it's funny because the inclusion of a lot of these scenes is absolutely necessary to mm-hmm. the construction of the film and the building of the tension well, however build, it's yeah. also However, it's also responsible for pushing the movie just over two hours in length, it, which is unfortunate. Well, <laughs> this worked out for me because I was watching this on a plane ride, straight flight, Boston to Seattle, uh, six hours. So, th- yeah, two hours. Like, this is good. This is actually a perfect movie to watch on the uh, plane. Yeah, no, it, in that case, it's like you actually want it to be kind of long, honestly. Oh, <laughs> oh and the jump scares, the all the jump scares worked on me. And I let out an audible fuck on a plane today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the one when we get to it, the one at the, uh, the one at the restaurant. I go fuck. <laughs> oh yeah, I I had a uh, I had a different reaction to that. Um, I'll, I'll be straight. No, I I don't handle horror well. Kai. I don't uh. scare. <laughs> I, I I laugh in the worst of circumstances. You laughed in hereditary. A- you piece of shit. I did. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a monster. You are a say. monster. I I was raised on Doom on the PC. <laughs> oh, Doom God. and Mortal Kombat. You are jaded in the worst way. I know it takes away a lot of the fun. Yeah. 
but the point is i do react so it, it's not that I, I don't react but i react inappropriately <laughs> dude this uh this next sequence is fun it starts off silly but it gets it like once like the way it develops is actually really good i think uh this is where we get uh got an evening uh this is just later in the evening um cecilia is doing some work um uh, very subtle did you notice what her occupation is i didn't actually oh um she's wearing an architecture uh hoodie so oh i i figured that out from the job interview oh um, but but i didn't notice the hoodie no, see, it was brilliant. They the when she was first at the house looking out the window like Terminator, she's wearing. Uh, uh, it just kind of tells us that she is uh, an architect. So, she's working late. Uh, looks, she's working on her computer, and I don't know if she hears a noise or she goes to walk around. I think she hears something in the other room. Uh, yeah. Uh, what follows is maybe a five to seven minute long sequence of Elizabeth Moss walking through an empty house. Mm-hmm. Um, again, in the theater, this sells a little better than at home, but this is still effective filmmaking because, again, Elizabeth Moss carries the drama. Like she, she projects her mental state onto us, the viewer. Where it's well, like you need to remember where she, where this character's at. So what what appears to be you know a fairly innocuous thing of just investigating a noise in a comfortable house, like if if you put yourself in the shoes of this particular person it's like yeah there's an there's an extra layer to this there's one there's one little thing that uh the director does and it makes such a difference and just just think about just one little this one little detail makes this this sequence so much better so she's looking through the uh she's looking through the house trying to hear something and we hear just the door kind of bump into the wall and she's in frame and we just kind of tilt over just slightly and you can see the door is open but the chain is swaying back and forth. So yeah. chain down, you're like, well, that could be anything. It could be somebody coming in, somebody coming out. Chain swinging, somebody went out, or somebody was inside and went outside, which makes mm-hmm. it even more spooky. Yeah, and uh, she does go and she closes the door, and then a uh, uh, very effective use of editing without any dialogue or any explanation. The next scene, we just jump to her in bed with Sydney. You forgot about foggy breath. Oh, foggy breath? Did you catch flame? Oh, so she no, goes. I didn't. She steps outside for a minute, and I think it's CGI foggy breath. Hi, hollow man. Uh, so she uh, <laughs> she steps outside and she lets out a little bit of like a oh, just a little sigh, and it's cold. And behind her is just a quick little foggy breath over her shoulder, but she doesn't notice it. But we, the viewer, can see it. Oh, see, I thought that was her breath. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I like yours way better. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The way this the way this sequence plays out is like, ooh, this is nice and spooky. But then it turns into fucking red dragon here. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we we uh, we have her in bed with Sydney. So clearly she was disturbed, and she said, "Hey, much younger person, can I hop in bed with you?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, everybody in this house has been very understanding of her mental state, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the covers very abruptly are just pulled, pulled off, off of them. Yeah. And I, I thought this was an interesting way to escalate things because we're going from implying a presence to just like explicitly being like, nope, there's something here. There's like, something somebody's here. here. Yeah. Uh, yes. The uh, we get like I thought he w- he was messing with the lights at first, but then I realized, oh, he's taking he, pictures. Yeah. I, I learned that a little later. Yeah. That I don't know why that's one of the spookiest things to me. Like. 
somebody taking a photo of you while you're sleeping and then you see the photo oh oh just i knew he was taking the pictures I'm like that's so fucking creepy oh yeah it, i mean it's it's very violating uh to to have somebody creeping on you when you're not aware basically mm. which which is the entirety of the horror of this yeah. film <laughs> uh it, that was it. And then we see she wakes up and we get a very poorly placed mannequin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we did set it up by saying that Sydney wanted to go to fashion school. Yes. Uh, yeah. So it's explained why she would have a mannequin set up there. But yeah, very, very poorly placed mannequin. Yeah. Um, and then we have a, a neat setup for a potential scare in the form of a chair that the molding of the cushion looks like it has a depression in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, that's kind of what it looked like. I was like, yeah. yeah, it looks like something's pressing into it. No, it's just the molding of the cushion. And uh, Elizabeth Moss has the same impulse, so she throws the blanket onto the chair briefly uh, because, you know, she isn't aware that there's an invisible presence. But, you know, I've she done feels- exactly the same. I've done this move before. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I, I totally have. Um, but Ugh. she throws the blanket on the chair nothing there it doesn't settle on a shape or anything um and then she goes to drag the the blanket back to the bed and it gets stuck like it's glued to the floor she can't she can't yank it out um and then we have this really really fascinating effect like uh, clearly done with cgi assistance of some sort but it looks very very convincing because it's so simple because mm-hmm. all it all it is is a piece of fabric being drawn taut and then uh what appear to be footprints stepping onto it like one at a time like stepping towards her and then she freaks the fuck out as anybody would because that's we all know what a footprint looks like and there's nothing there um how is this how, how can this be so she calls out for james and wakes him up and he runs into the room and we have our our first instance of people not believing what cecilia has to say uh because she's going on and on about i saw footprints i saw footprints there's a thing in here james 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 yeah yeah ain't no thing in here lady (laughs) hang on what are you doing here with my daughter yeah (laughs) that was pretty funny the little girl she's like i got pepper spray she's like put that put that away what are you gonna do with that like there's no ghosts in here um i i've never had a moment where i was paralyzed with fear uh one night my buddy and i we went to the movies super late we came back at like midnight we're smoking a cigarette outside gonna go back inside and we're sitting there and we hear something coming from behind a tree that's like oh maybe 15 feet away from us and it sounds like a little girl like singing or like 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 kind of like that and we're just like that's fucking weird i'm like is it like a cat or something or is like maybe or like it's summertime, somebody's sleeping with the window open, and it just sounds like it's coming from behind the trees. Right? Anyway, still smoking. And then we both heard it way fucking closer, same fucking thing. And we just, we jumped, like, out of our skin, like Scooby, like Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, and ran inside the house. Still to this day, I have no clue what that was, but it definitely got closer, and it was definitely a little, somebody singing. It might have been somebody out, in the, out there, like, fucking with us or something. It's very possible. But I've never had a moment like this where... She is like pair like she's just kind of watching how it plays out. Me, as soon as I go to grab the sheet and it's taut like that, I'm I'm there's a, a shaggy there's a Kyle shaped uh like uh hole missing in the wall for me running. But yeah, she's just like paralyzed with fear and just watches how it plays out. Yeah, folks, it's an obscure reference, but it is 
one of the very very earliest if it is episode one of catching up on cinema the very end of nothing but trouble yeah that chevy chase at the end of of nothing but trouble that is kyle in any circumstance where things get straight up horrific like this Uh, Um, yeah only time i've ever been outright paralyzed with fear was when i was out on a date and i was asked to dance (laughs) you just like not move like, yeah, I, I, I turned into Garth from Wayne's World and I said, I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time. Wait. Not. not. <laughs> was it fast dance or slow dance? Or does it even matter? Is it like... It was like, it was like salsa or something. Oh, fuck out of here with that. Yeah, Come on. Yeah. Do you want a salsa yeah. dance? I'm like, no. With, with, some, with somebody who knows how to salsa dance. Hand on... <laughs> oh, hand on the hips, middle school dance? There, all day. Gotcha. Uh... I'll do some of the fun dancing, but I'm not doing salsa dancing. Come on. Yeah, no, I my shoulder was glued to the wall. Like, mm. I just leaned against whatever surface was behind me, and I, I was immobile. Couldn't no. move. Nope. <laughs> Time to I go mobile. It, for, for, <laughs> or the opposite. But yeah, yeah. forevermore, uh, that phenomenon is referred to as the dance freeze. The dance freeze, uh, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't yes. have done it either. Yeah. Uh, so the following morning... Uh, we see Cecilia go in for a job interview. With so she's trying to get her li- her life back on track, I guess. With a straight up fucking creep. Uh, this dude was in uh, another, I think. Yeah, he was in uh, Upgrade. Yes, he was. Yeah. Uh, so he and our director, also confirmed Aussie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he and our director uh, know each other. Uh, very interesting looking fella. Uh, he's very tiny. Has he apparently this trademark mustache of sorts? Uh, Benedict Hardy is this actor's name uh he played one of the heavies in upgrade um he has interesting presence he certainly has an interesting look to him but yeah we're conducting an interview here and he he says like at least one thing he really shouldn't have yeah uh-huh. uh he com he comments on her appearance i think he he refers to paris like, yeah. like i guess all beautiful women have to end up in paris at some point or something yeah it's not appropriate uh there's another yeah <laughs> Uh, the doctor in this movie is also from Australia. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he makes a, a, a weird little comment, but her demeanor, like her, the way she's acting in this uh, was interesting because we, I haven't seen her have an interaction where she's this uncomfortable, but this whole exchange between with him, she's just very flustered and she does it really well. Um, but she's like, yeah, I, I brought my uh, drawings here. She's like, won't you... Or, I think the conversation's kind of going in a, a weird direction. So he's like, well, do you want to show me some of your drawings? She's like, yeah. Opens it up. Wouldn't you know it? Her drawings are missing. That's embarrassing. Like, super embarrassing. That's really embarrassing. And uh, she doesn't exactly stick the landing afterwards. No. Um, but he, he actually, to, to his credit, despite his one creepy line, like, the rest of it is okay. Like, like he's trying to salvage the interview. Um, but then things get out of hand in the form of her uh, kind of getting a little drowsy yeah. um, and, and him trying to offer to like to help her out with some water or something. And uh, we get a particular type of camera maneuver wherein, as far as I understand, this involves like strapping, the like attaching a particular type of device, like a camera rig to the actor themselves, uh, which allows the camera to f- to focus on them but utilizing like gyros or something it retains its orientation does he do that quite um, a bit in upgrade i feel like there's a lot of that yes. in upgrade yeah there was quite a bit of that in upgrade you do see that in in action movies a lot um i think they did that in um 
was it one of those Sherlock Holmes movies? I think it was the second one, the Guy Ritchie one. Um, it's a it's always a disorienting effect because it's it's oriented to the to the person, like rather rather than like it throws all cinematography out the window. It's just like uh, it has a very jarring quality to it, and it works very well in this instance because she's in the middle of passing out, um, and she does fall straight flat on the floor. Um, and then when we wake up, uh, we're at the hospital with James, um, and she's told that she's fine, like she can go home. Um, but now James is aware of the fact that her friend is uh, passing out in public. Um, yes, the uh, in hosp- addition to the night before freaking out about ghosts or some shit. Yeah, he really does dad his way through that. He was really upset about being woken up. I feel like he could have handled that a little bit better. Um, but yeah, so dude. The- I mean, if you're built like that, you're you are on a sleep schedule. Yeah, like you were getting your fluids, you were getting your protein. You have a schedule. You messed up, <laughs> woman. My, I am off my routine. You messed up my <laughs> rim. Uh, yeah. So the hospital, the, the doctor at the hospital says that they're going to uh, do a blood test and they'll get back with her with the results. Um, next scene, uh, she's taking a shower and the phone starts ringing. Again, landlines. No one has them, but only people in movies have them now. It's getting ridiculous. It's getting ridiculous now. Yeah, actually, that stuck out pretty badly. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, you notice that, and you're just like, "That's not a thing that that's done anymore." <laughs> oh, dude! Uh, real quick, I was in O'Hare this weekend, uh, flying cross country, and I went down the terminal that the McAllisters went down. There are still payphones in in that ter- in that terminal. It has not been updated. The seats are the fucking same. It's like they have not updated that thing since the '80s. It's insane. You can, like, lay out all the way across because they haven't put the armrests on every single thing. It's, I, I tried to get a picture of the, of the, uh, of the benches so, uh, so I could show you and Steph, but I didn't get a chance to. Next time, baby. Yeah, next time. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, she gets yeah. this phone call, and they tell her that uh, she had diazepam in her mm-hmm. bloodstream, which was, of course, the same drug that she slipped to Adrian the night she was trying to flee. And at which point, uh, very timely, by the way, uh, she looks over in the bathroom and notices the exact same bottle of diazepam uh, from that night sitting on her sink. Um, And also, uh, the person on the other line of the telephone has something else that they're not sure that they want to tell her over the phone, but we hang up on her before we can get to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So put a pin in that, I guess. And then immediately from there, uh, we go to pay... Uh, brother Tom, <laughs> another visit, and uh, this is a very interesting exchange because uh, Elizabeth Moss acts the shit out of the scene because she's basically like fighting to hold it together. Like every time she has to speak, and she has a lot of words to say to Tom. And every time, like every time she has to complete a thought, she has to like center herself, and it's very labored and and pained. Um, it's very effective, but spared no um, expense. Yeah, yeah, she she really showed up uh, for this role, but um, she presents him with the bottle of drugs and tries to explain to him it's like this is exactly the same bottle that I lost when I was fleeing Adrian's home. Adrian is a manipulative bastard. I know he he had his tendrils wrapped around you as well, brother Tom. Um, I am thoroughly convinced that Adrian has faked his death and is fucking with me, not from beyond the grave, but involving his uh, optics research, which I think she verbalizes here. It's been hinted at 
previously through like visual references like news articles and things like that and his fucking lab in the basement or whatever um but here she actually verbalizes that like i i know he's been working on exactly this kind of shit he has the means he could have done this and uh tom actually to his like to the credit of the writing of this character actually effectively sells uh, sold me a little bit anyway on the idea of him being somewhat sympathetic Mm mm-hmm where, where it's like he actually tries to level with her a little bit and let her know that it's like, yeah, Adrian was a shit heel to me too. I I feel where you are coming from. Um, it I doesn't really get us anywhere, but it adds an extra layer of dimension to a character that otherwise could have just been one note. I do like James here. He's like, hey, I'm here to support her, whatever she needs. And then she drops a line. He's figured out a way to be invisible. And he's like, huh? Like James is kind of like, oh, I didn't. I didn't know it's, she was going to get into that. It, it's it's beautiful because it, he does a, a a reverse people's eyebrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the the people's eyebrow involves putting putting the eyebrow up. His is already up, and then it centers. It centers like, in, in, into like a furrowed brow. Like, hang on, what? what? <laughs> like, you didn't uh, say nothing about no invisible people. <laughs> you didn't do. Yeah. Um, yeah. She says that she drugged him to escape that night, so that she could get out. And she's like, and I dropped this pill bottle, um, and then. The brother, the brother's like, listen, he's dead, and she shows him the suicide. Like she shows him, he shows her the uh, the photos. Like I saw with my own eyes, he's gone. Um, but yeah, he he did trick me with his fake sympathy too. Yeah, no, I I thought it was an effective little pivot moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would I was sold on it for for the time being anyway. But um, things get worse because Cecilia goes to visit her sister, and sister answers the door in a huff, like and we the viewer and cecilia are totally caught off guard by this uh, apparently somebody not cecilia or at least cecilia doesn't believe she did this uh sent emily a really awful email basically just shitting all over her and throwing all the goodwill that she's given her over the years straight out the window um and and yeah emily's just like i don't want nothing to do with you and remember this for cecilia this is like it the two characters well three if you include sydney the daughter like these three people are that's it yeah beyond that that's her support system so now the big one her 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 sister is telling her get get away from me i don't want nothing to do with you anymore so this is crushing so when she goes home that evening and looks at her emails and sees like actually reads what was sent to her sister she's probably questioning her sanity at this point and in fact collapses on the floor in the fetal position and uh, i think sydney comes in and tries to reassure her with the promise of cake or something she's like let's have a girls night we'll get some cake maybe watch a movie and she's like okay that sounds pretty good and this little girl stands up and she gets fucking debo dude just boom (laughs) just knocked down i i jump like i jump back in my seat uh this i was not expecting that it was good timing yeah, it, it was. <laughs> it made me laugh. I'm not gonna lie, because <laughs> you just hear this thump, and and the way the body moves, it's like, oh, somebody done, somebody got a haymaker. <laughs> like, yeah, like, See, like there was a there was a wind up. <laughs> and it's good because I've I've been hit like not hit like this before, but I've been hit, and then you don't realize that you've been hit by something like because it happens so fast and you kind of get knocked black for like a second. And the person that hits you, like, what the what what the hell happened? So when it happens, the girl thinks that uh, 
that uh, Cecilia did it. And I'm like, oh no! Like I was real upset by this. I'm like, that's not good. They're definitely not going to believe her now. And this is a, I think this is a really good scene. Um, James, whatever, whoever that I can't remember the actor's name. Um, but this is a really good moment because uh, now he has to balance with this person that he cares about with his daughter. Like he's obviously going to side with his daughter, but this is a tough moment. Yeah, I, I liked, uh, like, Cecilia's trying to follow them to the door, and then when they get there, he just shoots her a look, and he's like, you are scaring my daughter, you need to figure your shit out. And he actually tells her, like, he, like, makes it worse, like, he throws salt on the wound by telling her, you need to go to your sisters, like, mm-hmm. you need to not be here when I get back, basically. It's like, he doesn't know that she doesn't. I got no place else to go. I got no place else to go. <laughs> My God, the just Dell putting his glasses down, watching that man just just break apart on the stage. <laughs> that wasn't uh, even the actor. That wasn't even the that was the character. That was just the actor. Like he had never seen Chris Farley before. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's exactly what that was actually. i wouldn't be surprised like, honestly the force of nature that was chris forley yeah. <laughs> um but yeah uh james takes off with his daughter um not entirely sure where probably to the hospital or something she does have a bloody nose she got rocked pretty good i think he's probably taking her to a friend like a friend's house or something like that i don't necessarily think it was the hospital but uh yeah i mean she she got she got an overhand right from aaron Rodgers. that'll fuck you up <laughs> yeah she got she got punched in the face by a grown man like she's a girl yeah no she, she got pretty badly fucked up and i said they take off <laughs> i've been punched in the face by grown men and i'm a grown and i'm a grown-up and that shit hurts <laughs> <laughs> no matter how you slice it it sucks it fucking sucks um, um now we have cecilia home alone yeah, and, uh, we have the uh what the i know what you did last summer <laughs> what are you waiting for <laughs> yeah oh god that's funny uh yeah this is the knife and coffee grounds but yeah she's just like kind of confronting uh this thing whatever's happening i yeah she's just like what are you waiting for god die don't hit a little girl this was kind of silly this this little this part was silly but yeah she it was she grabs the uh, knife and she grabs some coffee grounds and she sprinkles them uh and she gets herself into the room and she just closes herself behind the coffee ground so she can see him coming uh i had a note uh i'm just like he's gonna use james's shoes for something to make it like uh he's gonna walk across it and like well you could have easily just made these with my shoes so why would i believe you but that doesn't it doesn't happen yeah no i i I could see where you're coming from with that it doesn't factor in but yeah she spreads the coffee grounds to make it so anything that has to traverse that area will show its footprints um and then she just pops a squat in the corner with a big old kitchen knife and uh i I think she has a conversation with nobody Mm -hmm. at this point Uh, she's talking to the door frame and the way that again her 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 acting performance and the cinematography we're like cutting back and forth we're doing like a two shot mm-hmm. with elizabeth moss squatting in a corner talking and an to nothing door frame. Yeah. yeah talking to nothing but, not even a man in a green suit like literally talking to nothing but we as the viewers are like something might happen who knows it, it could very well happen uh, but then she gets herself an idea uh she uh reaches over to the fucking landline that she would have in 2020 uh, and she called, I was like, oh, she's going to call a cell phone. And wouldn't you know it, the phone is in the house. 
Yeah, <laughs> the the classic slasher movie trope. Uh, the Black Christmas trope, yeah. in fact. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, she calls Adrian's phone number, which, uh, wow, credit to her. She actually knows people's phone numbers. <laughs> I know a couple. I know, like, my parents and my my, uh, my parents' landline from when I was a child, but that's about it. Uh, oh, yeah, and my childhood friend. I, I know about three. No, and grandma, so I know about four. I know three numbers, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, she calls his his cell phone, and we hear the vibration directly above her head in the attic, um, where she heads. Which, uh, my God, I would no, I, no, I'm not doing that. Do, I, I, I'm we, not going up there alone. <laughs> I I don't want to go up into the attic when I need to go up there for something because it's always dark up there. It's never there's never lights up there. I don't, I hate going in the attic. Yeah, especially not if I think there's something up there. Yeah, no, if if something that obviously should not be there is up there, I don't want nothing to do with that. Like, no, no I'm 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 waiting until James is back or or I'm getting somebody. I'm not I'm not going up there. But uh she does. Uh, she gets out that fancy new ladder and she heads up into the attic and she finds numerous props up here. Uh she finds a kitchen knife in a Ziploc bag. Yeah. Put a, put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. Um as well as her uh, her architecture drawings. So her her portfolio is up there that would have come in handy the other day um and then also of course she finds the cell phone which uh, <laughs> conceited bastard that he is i like that the background on his cell phone is the the texturing of his uh it's like his branding and mm. as well as uh for the technology that we'll see later on in the film it's the same texture uh, <laughs> so he's he's big on his branding um but yeah she hears a noise behind her uh, so she prepares to exit the attic, and we get. Ooh, would you call this a jump scare? A little bit, but uh, the the this is where we get the phone that have the pics of her. Uh, oh yes, pics of yes. Her. She does. Inve- she investigates the phone, and I'm like, oh, she's finally got some proof, something that she can show. Like not proof, but something that she can show uh, James. Uh, but she also on the phone. There's a text from an unknown number. It says "surprise" in all caps. Uh, but yeah, then she just really slowly makes her way to the hole, and this is a bit of a jump scare. Um, but yeah, she, I don't know, does he touch her first or does she just grab the paint can immediately? I think she hears a noise. Like she hears that clicking that I mentioned earlier and, uh, she's looking straight down the the little hole in the ceiling. And, uh, before she hops on the ladder, I think she hears the, the ladder rattle. So she just has the instinct to throw a, a can of like primer, mm-hmm. uh, down, down the hole. And, uh, what what we see here is baffling it's it's certainly unnerving um but it it's it looks uh it looks like if you remember what the the blackberry headed people from uh the suicide squad looked like um, uh the suicide squad or suicide squad suicide squad I'm okay sorry. i did watch the suicide squad but I'm like i don't remember that <laughs> um anyway it it looks like it looks like a humanoid shape, like the shape of a person's head, but with like a dimpled texture to it all mm. the way around. Uh, so think like a golf ball, essentially, yeah. because it's covered in white primer. Uh, and of course, she freaks out a little bit. And uh, I, <laughs> is this like the shittiest primer that's ever existed? Yeah. <laughs> uh, clearly, it, it is thoroughly watered down because, uh, no, this is not how paint works generally. No. Um, but she hops, she hops down, and she heads into the kitchen where she hears the uh, the faucet turn on, um, and then we we get essentially like a 
like an action beat in the middle of our horror film. Which I thought was kind of goofy. Also, I just realized uh, she leaves the house after all this goes down. James comes home to his house destroyed. Like, completely destroyed. Not going to lie, Kyle, that was really bothering me the whole time. Like, <laughs> like when the, the coffee grounds one. came out... When the coffee grounds came out, I was like, mm. but then when the, pri- when the primer hit the, the, the wooden floor, the just, wooden un- yeah. unvarnished floors, mm-hmm. I was like, Dad, you're not getting you that gotta, out. Yeah, lady, you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. deeply upset by that. I'm like, yeah, it's a really shit, shitty move. She should have at least just let me know, sorry about the mess, bye. Like, just a little something. <laughs> But yeah, this was a little silly. I don't know if it was because of how it was choreographed. It felt kind of slow. Um, and he kind of Jason Voorhees a little bit. Like he's like slowly like holding her up by her throat. I'm like, does this thing give him strength? I don't really feel like it was realistic. I mean, he is Aaron Rodgers. He's yeah. a professional athlete and pretty powerful guy. But um, yeah, the choreography of it is fascinating. Because I've, I've actually seen the, the behind-the-scenes footage of how this was done. And it literally is a man in a green suit, like, wrestling with Elizabeth Moss. I had a feeling, um, yeah. And it, it's kind of fascinating to, to see the translation like to the, to the final product. The one thing that always gets weird about this sort of thing is that we have a situation where, uh, up until this moment, um, our invisible person has been tormenting uh, Cecilia. Uh, ruining her life, ruining her relationships, isolating her, like much like uh, narcissistic, toxic relationships tend to, to pan out. Um, but now things have escalated to the physical realm. Um, and this is where things get a little hazy, where it's like, I'm not entirely sure what the motive is anymore. Yeah. Because one does not casually choke a person while holding them off the ground. Um, that usually usually there's an end goal in mind that involves the death of that person yeah um so i wasn't entirely sure like what the stakes were at this point it's like is he trying to offer right now uh but no basically it's just meant to be like a wake wake the fuck up kind of moment where Mm -hmm. it's like we're hit we're stepping on the gas for just a second it is pretty entertaining in how it's put together it's just not horrific, I guess, is the problem. I think it's because he identified her, so now she does know that something is happening. So now he's giving her a good scare, like a, a good scare. Yeah, and, and you know, a few bruises for her <laughs> as yeah. well. Because, um, yeah, he's throwing her around. Uh, the, the bump she takes off of the kitchen table is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It was a little <laughs> like funny. He, he, he gives her the, the, the back of the collar and the 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 belt line the the bartender slide he gives her one of those see i i missed the the first two scary movies were funny i i they're they're pretty fun i wish the waynes brothers would come back and do like their do their version of the scary movies again because once they left it it just went to shit it just was not funny at all bring it back and then have they've got plenty of horror movies to mess with i feel like they could they could have some fun Oh yeah, you could certainly do some sort of riff on Midsummer. Oh, <laughs> oh, dude, they, because that—that that is some white people shit that they would just—they could really run with. Yeah. Well, and, and also, I mean, that one's tough though because that movie already kind of riffs itself from it time to time. Yeah. Which is, you know, good on you, like that you need to at that point. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's certainly 
right like there's plenty of material out there to work with but um, long story short she survives the attack uh, she fights back as ably as one can hope to against an invisible adversary uh, yeah. it does look it does look weird to see somebody like grappling with something that's not there yeah um but a uh, clever girl, uh, she calls a uh, a lift, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, hops into an SUV and asks this fella to drive her out to Adrian's mansion. Um, and from the transition of the lighting, that's a long fucking drive. He said, "Oh, that's <laughs> he's like that's that's really far." Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess if he wants to get paid, sure. Um, but yeah, we go from the middle of the night to the wee hours of the morning. So we were driving a long time. Mm-hmm. But uh, she heads into the door, and uh, I, I love the mixed emotions on her face. Like, oh. We see that she clearly knows the, the pin number for the door lock and stuff. Uh, he takes her all the way there, which is an expensive ride. And she's like, okay, I might be two minutes, I might be 20, but will you stay for me? And this dude's like, yeah, totally. Uh, he's like... <laughs> 100% yeah because he's like this is gonna be just a ton of money uh but yeah <laughs> my, my kids are going to college my kids are going to college on this ride <laughs> community but they're going to college <laughs> uh, but yeah she heads into the mansion and uh it has an eerie atmosphere to it like i said like all the this like the flat stone surfaces give it give it like a sterile quality to it but mm-hmm. uh tension is alleviated for just a minute because uh, zeus the dog he's still up. there the baby's still there i mean who the fuck has been feeding him though yeah exactly like, that's my question yeah <laughs> um but maybe that's maybe that is answered by by some of the proceedings in the plot but mm-hmm. um she heads directly into the basement and uh she heads to the chamber where it looks like some sort of rack for some piece of equipment but nothing's there but the title of the movie is the invisible man so something's probably there uh, so she tries a series of pin numbers on the electronic door lock, and as it so happens, uh, the date that she met Adrian is the code. So this guy has a deadly obsession with her. Um, and by the way, that that conversation she had with no one in particular while she was hiding uh, with the kitchen knife, like, was basically her asking all the same questions that we, the viewer, kind of have. It's like, why me? And it's like because why not like because because he picked you he latched onto you and because uh there's there's a sense of him needing her in a way that no one else no one else does it yeah and there's there's a like a dark possessive quality to to their relationship um but yeah she enters this chamber and hanging on this rack is uh what what we will discover in just a second is the invisible man suit Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe uh, the original Invisible Man, if memory serves, was chemical, was yeah. chemically induced and irreversible, if I remember correctly. Well, that sucks. In um, uh, the Kevin Bacon uh, Hollow Man, uh, they did a really cool thing with that, and they explored the idea of uh, his eyelids being invisible and uh, that causing him to be unable to sleep, mm. uh, which would cause him to become kind of a prick because yeah. literally going insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but what did you think of the design for this uh, invisible suit, Kyle? It, for some reason, it made me think of uh, like a gimp suit. It just looked like <laughs> it looked like a gimp suit to me. Uh, so what it is is it does have that dimpled texture 
that we had mentioned earlier. It's all black though, um, but essentially what it is is it's an entire like looks like almost like a rubberized suit head to toe um, that is comprised entirely of camera lenses. Um, so basically the, the theory, I guess, is that whatever is on the opposite side, the camera information is collected and then projected outward. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big reveal here is that that clicking, that unnerving cricket-like noise we were hear- hearing earlier in the movie is the focusing and unfocusing of the lenses. And I was like, that's so fucking clever. Yeah. Like, I like that a lot. Uh, say what you will about the aesthetic design of the suit. I thought that as an as a concept was really cool. Mm-hmm. So it's like it it's it's not entirely a stealth suit. It does render you visually basically invisible, but it does come with a little bit of like a chittering noise to it. Yeah, it's not it's they need to you know, fix the bugs, troubleshoot a little bit. Yeah, uh, so she grabs the suit, um, and again, this is all explained visually. So everything I just told you, you just you drink it all in with your eyes. Nobody says anything about how this shit works. You just fucking figure it out because you're mm-hmm. not an idiot, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but she collects the suit and she squirrels it away, I believe, in the same vent that she hid her go bag in. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's basically a like a very, very uh, fancy closet, essentially. Um, and then the uh, she gets she becomes aware of a presence in in the mansion. Uh, so she hides in the door frame. And uh, we have this really cool moment where it's it's obviously the invisible person uh, come to collect her or do something to her or something bad, um, and we we see a like the door opens and she's just holding her breath, hoping like maybe it maybe it'll pass, and then we see a depression in the carpeting in the closet of a footprint. So it's like, oh yeah, uh, totally an invisible person. This likely the same thing that I just grappled with earlier, and she tries to take off running. Uh, doesn't quite work out. She does fall ass over tea kettle, but she does get away. But um, Zeus comes in handy here for mm-hmm. a second. Uh, he buys her the time she needs to get away uh, he, by barking at the entity. She He does kind of communicate with her, like, listen, I don't know what the fuck's going on in this house, but there's some weird shit going on. Just with a little bit of his body language. The dog, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I did kind of get that. Like, yeah. when he comes up to say hi to her, he's like, lady, I have seen some up. shit. Something's <laughs> up. I don't know what's happening. Dad's here. I don't know what dad's doing, but he's he's doing something, and he keeps disappearing. Yeah, and they do that neat beat where uh, when she heads into the lab, Zeus doesn't follow. Mm-mm. Like, he stays at the top of the stairs, and he's like, like oh. Absolutely not. No. I got yeah, yelled at last like, time. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, um, then we head to the restaurant, right? Which is my, I think my favorite sequence. Like, yeah, I think it's my favorite uh, sequence in the movie because uh, this is just this is great. Um, we get she um, she calls somebody on the phone. I'm not sure who it is. I think she calls her on the phone. Like, oh, we got to go to a busy a uh, busy place. We're gonna go to a restaurant, and we're in this really nice, uh, like cool, like hip but super expensive, uh, like San Fran restaurant, and uh, it's her sister and um the the shot of her alone by the way in this this youth oriented restaurant is kind of hilarious because she's like still in her like sweats yeah and she's just at this table alone just disheveled (laughs) like no like no makeup like she just looks rough right now and it's just really solemn like her her sister just kind of sits down and you we, we the viewers just know that there's a beef between the two of them and she just before i think she says like hey and then just fucking out of nowhere, this hip tattooed guy with a man bun 
the server just comes up and like, Hey, I'm Chaz. Welcome to Monarch. Can I get you started with some mozzarella sticks or something? And the sister just cuts him off real quick. It's really funny. Like, I'm not giving it, I'm not doing it justice. It's, it's a really funny beat, but the sister's like, no, it's okay. We've been to a restaurant before. We've been here before. It's fine. Just go. And he's just like, okay. And just, you know, <laughs> and heads off. Um, and they have a, a little moment here. And she kind of, uh, uh, Cecilia comes clean here. She's like, listen, I love you. You're a bit overbearing sometimes. In times when I need you to be, I love it. And there's times that I don't need you to be. And it's just too much. And her sister kind of accepts that. And uh, I think... Before she's going to tell her the story, I think he comes back up again, just not reading the table at all. And uh, he's like, hey, did you guys have a chance to look at the No, we did not have a chance to look at the menu. <laughs> come back yeah, in a real... We're going to need time. She, we're going to need time. Lots she, of time. She, yeah, come back. Give us lots of time. Um, but yeah, this is, a, this is a pretty cool moment because she's just like, whatever I'm going to tell you, you have to believe me. And we, we as a viewer feel like the sister's really, really gonna, you know, this is when it's really gonna be clear. And I don't even know, does she tell her, she's like, I can prove that he's still alive and that he's doing this to me. Mm-hmm. What happens, Trevor? Um, we, we're showing Emily's face. Uh, so she's leaning in. She's like, really close. What's that? and then we cut to the opposite angle and it's cecilia and there's just a just a kitchen knife just kind of waving hello just like hovering just 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 on the side of her head just waving and then yeah it's just floating in air (laughs) and then an invisible braveheart happens just this knife just immediately goes over and slits her sister's throat and then shoots into, Ce- into Cecilia's hand. I, dude, I I was like, this is where I went, fuck! <laughs> because uh, it happens so quick. So, you, like, you have this moment of elation. Like, you have this, like, moment of, like, kind of relief. You've got these funny beats that the director deliberately put in there so your guard is down, and then just, yep. it's, yeah, yep. it, it's brilliant. Yep. It was really good. It's it's very effective. It's very brilliant. <laughs> oh, no, Mr. Donut Head, who's trying to kill you? I don't know, but you better not. <laughs> 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 oh no that's not good i really want to i was i think i might rewatch that tonight i need a little something to veg out to just kind of chill that would be a good one too uh, uh, as soon as the knife hit her throat immediately did you start laughing mind was i started laughing but immediately i started i think i said audibly like oh no that's not good Dude, i'm not happy at all <laughs> <laughs> but the timing i'm sorry it is slightly comical because you are totally disarmed and you know sometimes when you're supposed to be horrified you know you just have a reaction in my case i i went like that but yeah the throat gets slit gore splatters all over the place and then it goes shink like right the knife flies into cecilia's hands and i was telling you before we started recording it's like maybe they should have put a line in the script or like a scene where she's like playing catch or like she drops something and she like has fast hands or something because her just seamlessly catching the knife, she does it so perfectly. It's like, damn, do you play softball or some shit, lady? <laughs> do you uh, I would have fumbled the shit out of that. Uh, Kevin Spacey at the end of Horrible Bosses, he's just like, he's basically, he's the bad guy. And he tells them how what his evil plan is. 
And he's like, you shot me in the leg. Boom! And he shoots himself in the leg. And he's like, that hurts so much. And he wipes off the fingerprints. He's like, here, catch. And, and the dude just immediately catches it. And then she's like, no, what are you doing? Don't catch that. Like, now your fingerprints are all over it. But yeah, it just like straight into her hand. Yeah, just and, like, and then some lady's just like, uh, just kind of like, kind of does a little bit of a, just to turn around her chair and just loses it. And like the, the this the look that her sister gives her as she's dying is just like the last thing you want to see your loved one that's the last face you want to see is them in horror that they're dying in front of you but yeah she gets uh she just kind of like lets herself be taken down like she don't even I mean, she might even fall down on her own like she is just completely destroyed in this moment because it's quite a bit to process oh yeah no the cinematography here was really neat and it's very disorienting and almost like dreamlike yeah and i think one of the i think one of the dinner like the kitchen staff actually helped tackles to yeah. do her yeah um but yeah she she gets apprehended and immediately we cut to um the color grading and the lighting in these hospital scenes is just gooey it's yeah just icky everybody looks like shit yeah. um intentionally but um she gets taken to like the psych ward or something of uh, like a hospital yeah. um it's arkham and yeah, very much so. And she's just like shrieking and hollering about like he he did it. It yeah. wasn't me. And it's like, oh, this sounds like crazy she's talk. Full blown crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we get this again, really cool cinematography where they're strapping her to a table like uh, Sarah Connor style, um, mm-hmm. and sedating her. And the whole time she's just screaming at the corner of the room, like <laughs> condemning the corner of the room as if it's the devil. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of Terminator terrorizing a black family. Uh, yeah. Geez, there's a lot of Terminator 2 references in here. Jeez. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, actually, you're not wrong on that. But, um, <laughs> not yeah, not she, once, but twice. <laughs> <laughs> but she uh, eventually passes out, and uh, oh, we cut to her being interrogated. Not before. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's passing out, like arrested, obviously. But she's just like, I know you're there. And then we just hear a really quiet surprise. We actually get yeah. the audible surprise. Yeah, so this is Adrian announcing that he's he's very much still a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't seen him, uh, but we heard him, and she's definitely been grappling with some invisible person. Um, so, yeah, surprise is, I guess, his catchphrase of sorts. Uh, and it's very effective, very simple but effective, just through the repetition of it. Um, but yeah, she's being interrogated the next day um and she's in a tough spot because she's under the assumption that adrian is watching her now is like in the room with her all the time so she's talking to some a pair of detectives one of whom is james um and she's being asked to explain herself and the only she's afraid to make mention of the fact that she found the suit because she's aware that adrian is probably listening i think this is james and an attorney because this guy has much more of a a lawyer look so i think that james is still kind of on her side here but i could be wrong uh because i feel like i don't think you're allowed to investigate your friend like i'm not sure how that (laughs) works with cops I, i feel like it'd be a conflict uh, but yeah, I think the 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 attorney's trying to get the, like so what happened exactly? Like trying to get the facts of what happened, um, and she's just like, yeah, I can I can tell you exactly how he did it, but I can't tell you right now because he's in here. And James is just like, okay, dude, you're gonna have to just give us a minute because she's fucking she's gone nuts. Yeah, it, part of me wanted to say like, 
like can you like write really tiny like on a post-it note or something yeah. <laughs> like, like just like cup cup your hand over the here. post-it note and then slide it to james <laughs> slide it here and then just tell him, punch in the middle of you two real quick just like, you'll feel them <laughs> <laughs> yeah for real um but after this is where she learns that she's pregnant um this is what that phone call with the blood work was implying earlier is that I'm not sure if I should tell you this over the phone, but one of the nurses here at the hospital uh, feels the need to like ask, did you know that? Um, and no, she did not. No. And this is especially troubling because she knows whose baby it is, and she's not too happy about it. Um, but then she's brought in with him for a meeting with Brother Tom. Yeah. Uh, and this is a slimy moment where mm-hmm. uh, the other shoe finally drops because uh, remember how we mentioned that Tom had a slightly sympathetic air about him earlier. Well, you can you can kiss that goodbye. Yeah, he uh, pissed on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he pissed all over hospitality. My brother yeah. pissed on me. Yes. Uh, he. <laughs> um. Yeah. So he. How does he start this out? Uh. It's just it was a, I, He basically threatens her. He lets her know that, hey, so you remember all that money we are going to give you? Well, it was contingent on you, you know, not getting charged with any serious crimes and, you know, being of sound mind. And uh, you're, I don't think you're, I don't think you are either of those things right now. I don't think you're up for the task. And oh, and that little, that little trust fund that you set up for that girl, it's going to be gone. I'd hate to do that. But I guess I wouldn't have to. Uh, basically, if you agree to have the baby and go back to him. And this is where she's like, you're like, like I kind of felt bad for you, but he's like, but you're just the jellyfish version of him. And I'm like, because he doesn't have a spine. And that's exactly what she says. I'm like, yeah, kind of. It was kind of a silly dialogue, got like a little bit of a silly line, but yeah. Yeah, I was like, that was, you were asking me to think a little bit too much with that lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I knew. Like, if you, just, just say fuck you and call it good. <laughs> I, said, I, I knew exactly where she was going with that, but I'm just like, that's a dumb way to do that, but that's fine. Uh, I do like the, uh, she's sister and kind of thinks about it for a second, then she just throws the papers all over the ground. She's like, get fucked. And when he goes down to, she doesn't say that, uh, when he goes down to pick up the paper, she steals a pen really quick. I'm like, oh yeah, good idea. You got that. Got that pen easily. Uh, again, Terminator. God damn, Lee Wannell. How much Terminator did you watch before you did this? A lot. <laughs> a lot. A lot of Terminator. I mean, we're not even out of the hospital yet, Kyle. <laughs> Do you think he walks around his house just going, dun, 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 taking I mean, a pee? Dun, 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 dun. I mean, I know for a fact you do. I know I do. <laughs> Trevor, I do all of it. I do. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, folks the- at home, if you're not aware, whenever Kyle comes to visit me, his door knock is a particular cadence. Yeah. <laughs> I'll even just be... I do, I do it all, dude. The whole soundtrack. And that's saying a lot, because Kyle has yeah. gone on record multiple times saying that sound like soundtracks are not usually where his focus is when it comes to movies. Dude, if you can't... If you don't recognize the Terminator sound... Terminator 2 soundtrack, you're... You're... You're, your you're lost cause. You, yeah. you really just shouldn't bother with movies. Yeah, it's don't. not your medium. It's not your thing. It, it, yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's like Steve Irwin in the ocean. It's like, <laughs> you, you, what are you doing in there? You're a, you're a, you're a swamp man. Yeah. Like, you're a river. You're a river in a swamp man. You don't belong in the ocean. Get the fuck out of there. Yeah. That's why you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Duh, damn. Damn. Too no, soon. He, he, he was out of his element, man. 
You're out of your out of his fucking element. element. Yeah. He was a boxer doing MMA. It's just keep to your <laughs> keep to your arenas, peoples. Or an MMA doing or an MMA fighter doing boxing. Um, yeah, and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he says, "I don't expect you to take do the choice right now. I'll be back in three days." I thought that that was going to matter. It doesn't. Um, and then uh, we see on the TV that there's a big storm a coming, which I was like, "Oh, interesting." Now I didn't know if that was a metaphor or if there was actually a storm about to hit, but it's actually a storm. Where my brain immediately went was, uh, will this suit technology be able to stand up to rainfall? Yeah. Like, like will it retain its integrity? Surprisingly, yes. Um, I, I thought that was going to be factored. It's not. But. Well, I had a different, for some reason, it just made me like, oh, is this a metaphor? Like, a storm is coming? Like, no, you fucking idiot. It's an invisible suit. You'll probably be able to see him when it's raining. Yeah. Well, now, see, that's a reference to Terminator 1 at the end when she's <laughs> in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> with that little kid who charged her way too much for that fucking photograph and now I, I assume anyway <laughs> was, it, was it in pesos because if it was in pesos it was it wasn't that much i'm sure yeah i like how he phrased it though he's like my dad's gonna beat me if, I, if you don't pay me for this photo and she's like oh well i better pay you i better pay the, pay the man i don't want that i don't want that on my conscience jesus <laughs> um, um yeah go ahead but yeah uh, we get uh a callback uh to the opener of the film uh, so we began the film with her carrying out a plan, um, in, like upon awakening. Um, so we got to see her do all that with a lot of visual storytelling. Same deal here. Only difference is she's now imprisoned in a men- in a psych ward in a hospital, as opposed to you know in a mansion that's trying to fuck the ocean. Um, and so she has a, a couple of tools here, but Kyle's putting his hand up. He's got a question. I just realized something. So this is, again, a nice little detail. So you can make shivs. Like, you can make, like, knives and stuff out of plastic and tape. Like, you can basically just tape something and, like, melt it down or sharpen it. So on this table that she's having this uh, conversation with the brother, there's a little thing that says, do not write. There's a piece of paper, and it's just being, like, stuck onto the table. It says, do not write on table or something like that. And underneath is silly putty. When I was watching it, I'm like, that's kind of weird. How's that going to play in? But then I thought, oh, you can't be taping it down with actual tape. People will take that tape and then try to make, you know, some, some kind of uh, weapon, knife or stabbing weapon out of it. So <laughs> it's actually brilliant that he uses the silly putty. I'm like, damn, that's a really good detail. Yeah, it, it's like blue tack stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, she grabs some of that. So she has a pen and she has some blue tack. And uh, before she's put down for the night... Uh, we see an orderly go through their routine, and they have her do the ah, and like the over and under on the tongue. Uh, so this is why she needed the blue tack, because we see that she squirreled that, that pen away in the overhang in the shower. Uh, which, damn, she got a shower, man. I know. I was like, this is a this is a mental ward? Single cell it's with got a, a shower? Door. I'm like, it's got a door, man. This doesn't sound that <laughs> bad, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, I get a, do I get a book? I can do. I could work out in there too. I'll be fine, honestly. I don't. I'd pay I mean, taxes. Shit, that probably goes for twelve hundred dollars in Seattle. I was like, that's. <laughs> oh, no, no. The, uh, no, my my apartment's a little bit bigger. Uh, <laughs> not by much. Um, but I, when she goes into the shower for this scene, I'm like, mm. what? I'm like on a plane. So there's a couple of scenes where I had to like, because I didn't know if there was any little. Yeah, I didn't know if there was any little kids. Like, I don't want, like, kids seeing this on a plane. That's not cool to do that. So, like, when the throat slit in the last scene, I had to, like, kind of move over my tray table so they couldn't see it. 
So in this scene, she goes into the shower, and I know that she has a pin. And I'm like, what? Where? Where are we going with this, guys? Uh, let's. And then she looks up, and she's got it stuck up there. Like, whew. And I don't want to be like secretly judged by people on the plane. Like, what is this kid watching? <laughs> yeah. No. She she hid the pen in the in the overhang in the shower, um, and she retrieves it. And uh, apparently, this scene. I don't know how many scenes, but apparently I, I read that this scene was censored somewhat for the UK release of the film. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think that depicting how to actually kill yourself is a little problematic. Yeah, the the self injury aspect of it, you know, it's not only potentially triggering, but yeah, it it's also showing you the, how to do a thing that could potentially end somebody's life this is a this isn't a like indie flick where we're all adults and we understand this is mature content this is the invisible man let's yeah i agree censor this a little bit this is for a a bigger audience yeah but she uh she jabs this this fountain pen into her into her wrist area and drags it down just a little bit and then uh Uh, uh, adrian uh. (laughs) adrian announces his presence i think he grabs hold of her wrist uh to stop her because Remember, his end goal was he wanted to knock her up. He wanted to have a kid with her. Um, and as as awful as he's been to her, in his own mind, they belong together. Like, like he has a need for her that's deeply unhealthy. But um, she, uh, the other shoe drops in the form of her making it known that she was baiting him. Surprise, Basically, motherfucker. He... Yeah. <laughs> Some fries, motherfucker. <laughs> Heart eyes, motherfucker. <laughs> that was one of the Wayne's brothers that did that. That's funny. Uh, Wayne, Wayne's <laughs> children, one of the Wayne's children. Uh, yeah, good times. Good, good times. times. Uh, but yeah, um, she gets the drop on his ass. He just like goes to stop her. She's like, bitch. And just starts just... She gets a fucking... I think she gets like lift off on him with this first one just boom <laughs> right in the shoulder yeah she gets three or four on him and yeah. actually i was i was a little like surprised like how easily he shrugged it off i was like yeah. dude that's a fountain pen like in like uh like near in your near neck area like in your shoulder he didn't even let out like god damn it like that actually that was something that was bugging me yeah is that this guy has so much self-control because like when that when that that primer went in his face not one god damn it not one son of a bitch yeah. <laughs> like like nothing nothing i'm i i do worse if i drop spaghetti sauce on my pants i'm like god damn it like that's spaghetti <laughs> sauce that's not even primer i know you get fucking primer in your in your face and not only your face your absurdly expensive invisible man suit yeah. i'm like, wearing you're going to be a little pissed about that i'm wearing like 50 dollars shorts and i'm like they're fucking ruined even though i don't even wear them outside <laughs> <laughs> just oh my god Count that. see that that would be a fantastic re-edit of that sequence <laughs> <laughs> just, just exactly that and just like have the audio drop out as he's walking down the hall like <laughs> like great it's fucking ruined fuck yeah <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> You're paying Fuck for this, you bitch. know. <laughs> Cecilia, call. <laughs> uh, yeah, just like, just hear. Oh yeah, and also footprints. You'd hear him clomping around, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, he'd have to flip some furniture too. Just like Jesus, fucking call. <laughs> um, but yeah, not a, not a, not a whisper while he's getting stabbed in the shoulder. Um, but during all the commotion, he throws her off her off of him. 
and uh, we get a security guard coming in there uh, with a stun baton, with an electrified stun baton, and Adrian uh, jams it up under the guy's chin. And by the way, his suit is malfunctioning, mm-hmm. uh, so now he's blinking in and out of visibility, and it, it's really strange looking. Am I misremembering uh, in Mandy when he... Uh, comes across the biker dudes and that dude is just like guzzling that jar of the hallucinogen he's in it there's a gimp suit dude isn't there uh i know there was a lot of like melted leather i don't i can't recall the gimp suit there was most certainly like a gas mask um i seem positive though i think there was i think we did have a gimp in that in, in that movie uh for some but that movie just kept flashing at me every time he kept flickering i just kept reminding me of mandy <laughs> well, um, a different movie is going to come to mind here uh, because the security guard is immediately subdued, uh, which results in Elizabeth Moss and Adrian uh, tussling in the hallway of this psych ward and all manner of security personnel running down the hallway to they don't know about this invisible person. All they know is there's an escaped patient. And uh, this is very similar to the hospital escape sequence in from Terminator, Terminator 2. 2. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize that until um, just now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no woman with a cast uh, or any perverted security guards, but, Ugh. you know, it's a bunch of security guards in a psych ward with, you know, chasing a hysterical woman and some, like, unstoppable pursuer involved. I, I feel like if I was there and I saw her with a syringe full of cleaner and a dude's neck, I would have to be like, oh, oh shit. Like, this is really, this is a situation. Like, this is a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> fuck no she's gonna good kill old, him <laughs> yeah good old liquid rooter <laughs> um but yeah this uh this is more of a straight-up action sequence than a horror sequence mm-hmm. um it's very very deftly choreographed and shot um uh, has a similar vibe to uh, upgrade uh the director's previous work in how sleek and stylish it all is um, personally, I was wanting, I was wanting gore here, Kyle. Maybe yeah. That's just me. Yeah. I, I was really hankering for some gore right about now oh. because the movie has been very subdued and I was waiting for just like an explosion where it's like every, like whatever plans that may have existed because everything has kind of been going Adrian's way up to this point. I was waiting for things to go tits up and for things to just get wild. Well, I think that he's thinking about the law, like. There's a few there's a few issues in this movie, and th- you're kind of po- uh, pointing one out. What's his end game here? Because I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, because he's dead. Like, he's legally dead. It's in the newspaper. Like, it's it, well, not the newspaper. It's in the headlines. Uh, he's you know a very wealthy dude who's dead who killed himself, and his brother's like, yeah, uh, if you just agree to have the baby and come back to him, I'm like. But how's he gonna do that? Is like, oh, never mind. It was a whole trick. It was just a fun thing for a little bit. So yeah, I think he's still planning on trying to come back. And if he massacres uh, a mental institution, like I, there's like a good eight guards that he runs through here. If he's just like ripping people apart, like just shooting the shit out of them, that's a pretty big incident. And I, I think it might cause him a bit more problems. Oh yeah, and if <clears throat> if he comes back to life and then hooks up with her and then has a kid with her, that's a lot of attention that's going to follow her to his doorstep. Yeah, so, yeah you're that, not going to forget that. Yeah, nobody's going to forget that. All those people have families, and I think he only I think he only actually kills maybe one person in this sequence. 
Um, it's really cruel the way he does it too. Yeah, because yeah. he, he jacks the guy's handgun and holds it up to his face and uh, doesn't shoot him. But then when he's walking away, he shoots behind himself and yeah. shoots the guy in the back of the head uh, off screen. But yeah, man, I I'm just like maybe I'm a sick, twisted individual. But I was hoping for some like good nasty gore here. Mm-hmm. Like take taking well, again seven million dollars though, but take advantage of the invisible man aspect of things because like there's certain details that are obscured when awful things are happening to people like for instance like fish hooking someone oh yeah uh like you don't see all of it Mm -mm. because your hand is covering that but imagine that with with like fingerprints in like oh yeah indenting in the flesh of the person's face and you just see all of it, like or, all the things that would normally be obscured by the hand covering it. Or like a Glasgow grin, you just kind of see the, uh, the, the, just the, the incisions on the sides of the cheek. Like, yeah, I'm with or you. Or even simpler, just bludgeoning a person's face. Mm-hmm. Like your, your hand is covering that. Yeah. It, just imagine like seeing a nose cave in on itself. With well, <laughs> yeah. Well, the issue is like think back to Hollow Man. Sebastian wasn't like a bad dude before. He's kind of an asshole, but whatever they gave him, what they gave the gorilla made him more violent, made him like like kind of angry. And that's what's supposed to be kind of uh like fueling him throughout that film is that kind of makes him go insane. That and he can't sleep. Uh yeah. so this dude is just like he's just a nerd in a suit. So uh I, he doesn't really he doesn't really he's definitely not a healthy person, but he's not really been shown to be violent. So yeah, he he's narcissistic. Um, he doesn't seem to so, care. He doesn't seem to care very much about his fellow man. But he's he's not he's not out for blood. He's yeah. more just specifically yep. focused on her. He is violent. I'm sorry. He's just not homicidal. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So it it makes sense with the characters. Just like man. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I with you. My, my, yeah, I, I'm glad you understand. Let the but, dog off the leash, dude. Yeah, just let him go nuts. Yeah, but um, anyway, the action spills outside um, after many security guards are beaten <laughs> the fuck down. After being hit many, many times in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy boy. Oh, man. Um, we jump from Wayne's world to Tommy boy. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, that could be the next one. Uh, we still managed to get the Wayne's world in here quite a bit. Um, but yeah, we've got yeah. I've said these corrections officers are dropping like flies. <laughs> There's bam, 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 and now we got to chase. Uh, she uh, chases after him, and she manages to get out of this uh, institution out in the rain. But I think she's got at least one officer that could come back to it upstairs, like that first guy. I thought maybe he was gonna come too and let them know, like, hey, there's something going on here, guys. Um, but she you knows she just manages to get out. I like how she's going outside. She's like, get the fuck back there. Like she just like yells at them behind the counter. Like get, get back there. It runs outside and this is the chase in the rain. Yeah. Uh, she's like milling about in the parking lot and this, this one security guard comes out there and he's trying to find her. And then Adrian makes himself known and, uh, he grabs hold of her and shoots the security guard in the shoulder. Um, so now we have a scenario where, um, spoiler alert, that security guard is not killed. He's only subdued. Uh, we have a situation where many of these people have seen Adrian doing all this stuff. Uh, they don't know what the fuck they're looking at because it's, it's an invisible man suit. It, it looks like an alien or some shit. Well, we have enough as the viewer. We're like, okay, she's got to be off the hot seat now. Come on. Yeah, I mean, clearly, clearly there's something else at work here. Yeah. And that one security guard... Like, it seems like Adrian went out of his way to not kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that plays into proceedings a little bit. But um, anyway, Adrian, instead of taking things further, uh, takes off running and he grabs a vehicle. I love the guy who uh, oh, crashes his car. Thank you. Yes, I had the exact same reaction. This is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, he just uh, goes head on into like a parked car and he steps out of the car and he's bleeding. And he just goes, what the fuck? Fuck. <laughs> Funky butt lover. <laughs> it's a really funny what the fuck delivery. Uh, I, yeah. I I had to laugh out loud with that. Yeah. No, it was it's great because he steps out of the car and he's just like holding his nose up and like tilting his head back like you do. Yeah. And I think he was under the I think he was under the assumption that Elizabeth Moss was there to help him. Yeah. No. And she just steals, steals his, his car. car. <laughs> um, it's pretty great. Uh yeah, I think that's like she fled the scene of a crash in somebody else's car, which is really illegal. Um, but before this, he says, uh, Adrian is like, you know, knocking her around and stuff. It's like, now I've got to, after all this, now I got to go get that little girl. I got to go, I got to get that little girl now. And she's like, don't you fucking touch her. Um, but that's where she's going. And, uh, she gives James a call in the car. She's like, James is like, uh, how are you calling me right now? I cannot yeah. be talking to you, but, she convinces him, like, hey, you need to head home right now because something's going to happen to the girl. And, uh, yeah, then this sequence. Whew. Yeah, we have a, a mad dash to the James residence, and uh, we get some fake rain. Because uh, <laughs> that rain that James is running through, by the way, is totally fake. <laughs> but um, it's funny because the, the layout of this hallway was making me think of uh, Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, something about the, the closeting, like the something about the arrangement of it i think maybe they were looking down the hall got me too because there's a, a sequence of them going down the hall as well yeah and it's actually a similar setup too mm-hmm. when you think of the what's actually happening here but yeah. um yeah uh, sydney is awoken in the middle of the night um and she grabs her pepper spray bottle and she sprays it across the room and then like zero special effects budget required uh her her desk jostles and she takes off running into the hallway uh, just in time for her dad to show up, uh, and he gets his ass beat. Yeah, this by is an invisible man. How did the, pretty brutal? How did the pepper spray work? I don't. I, di- I didn't understand how that worked. I, I mean, the construction of the suit isn't really feasible because it doesn't have any visible eye or or breathing breathing vents. Yeah. Um, but obviously, a person still has to breathe and see while wearing the damn thing. Uh, so I would imagine it, it leaks through somehow. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, uh, this poor either girl... Either way, he gets spooked. <laughs> yeah, this girl does some pretty good screaming, and like it's really convincing. Like She's terrified. Her dad is getting brutally beaten by nothing, basically. Yeah, her, her dad's getting her ass be- his ass beat by a ghost. <laughs> he gets it bad. Um, and then uh, Cecilia comes in with the uh, fire extinguisher and exposes him. And I thought this was going to... I looked at the runtime, like, there's still another 25 minutes. I'm like, something's up. I don't know what's going on here. But yeah, she hits him with the fire extinguisher. She just fucking dumps a clip in him and uh, drops him. And yeah, she takes the mask off and it reveals Brother Tom. Yeah. Uh, Brother Tom was a tough guy, man. He ate a lot of bled before he went down. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, to her surprise, it was not Adrian. It was Tom. And then immediately we cut from there to a SWAT team uh, heading into Adrian's mansion. T2. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. 
Wasn't that Dean Norris? It was. Yeah, it was it Dean totally Norris. Was. Uh, yeah. uh, he he obviously went on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we discover a uh, a hidden like plywood wall in the basement, uh, and Adrian can be heard on the other side of the wall saying, "Help! I'm over here." Yeah. And and the SWAT team knocks the wall down, and they discover a uh, disheveled Aaron Rodgers in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, disheveled Aaron Rodgers is uh, down in the basement. Uh, but yeah, so let's see here. We get to, uh, I think we're at uh, F. James' house. No, so we have a moment in the police station where James just kind of lays it out for her. Cecilia's like, listen, I'm sorry I didn't believe you. But, you know, Tom was just fucking doing this shit the whole time. And she's just like, no, you dumb shit. Like... This is still Adrian. Adrian's doing this whole thing. And I don't know why James is on the fence about this. He's just like, Cecilia, no, come on. I've been a cop for a long time. I know how these things work. It's obviously exactly how it played out. And, yeah. Yeah, I I fought half dozen invisible men over the course of my career. It's a normal thing. It happens, you know. (laughs) But it's so disrespectful for him. When he, when she was telling him this whole time what was happening, and it's exactly what was happening, and if she says that it's not over with yet, this is not actually how it played out, and he's like, now she's just crazy. Like, dude, no, 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 we've taken crazy off the table, okay? That's way off the table. You listen to her. She's right. No, I, I like his preoccupation, his uh, his Will Smith and uh, Wild Wild West style preoccupation with that is a man's mm-hmm. head. <laughs> Because no. he, he keeps referencing that. It's like, I have a dead Tom yeah. in my home. <laughs> he is dead <laughs> as fuck in my house. Yes. No, because like every argument she makes, he counters it with, there is a dead Tom <laughs> in my home. <laughs> yeah. And there were dead pictures of Adrian. Hmm. How'd that work? That's the other thing. It's that whole, uh, they must have been working together and like faking the cremating. But again, it was public, public knowledge. So I don't know how they faked the death. That's the other thing. It's not really that, clear. Um, that that doesn't. I think money explains everything. At the end of the day, like Adrian is obscenely wealthy. Almost anything can be achieved with enough money if you throw it at a problem. Um, you think? My yeah. My my understanding is that everything that Cecilia believes is true. Um, she constantly refers to Adrian as this master manipulator. He's he's a narcissist. He's a manipulator of people. Uh, he gas get this may, this movie may as well be called gaslighting the movie. Yes, yes. Um, it's essentially what the thesis of of the relationships between these these two central characters, uh, Cecilia and Adrian. Um, but yeah, my understanding is that Tom was being manipulated. He was being not necessarily coerced, but he was just being tugged in whatever direction Adrian needed him to go. And Adrian pl- placing himself in the basement, I think, was a contingency. Mm-hmm. Um, if things went as badly as they did. Um, so now we have a situation where Adrian is legally resurrected and uh, Tom has been has caught the blame for all the shit that's gone down because Adrian can't possibly be responsible because he was stuck in a compartment in the basement the whole time and he was, you know, eating poop and hanging out with rats mm. um, like you do. Um, so now, uh, he's gone back to living in his mansion and Cecilia's kind of at the end of her rope because obviously James isn't willing, uh, to help her. 
Uh, so we cut almost almost abruptly to her dressed to the nines and meeting Adrian on his home turf mm-hmm. uh, at the mansion. Uh, and they sit down to have a civil conversation, and it's it is awkward. <laughs> it's as awkward. it should be. Yeah. Um, there's a beautiful dinner spread. He's got like like steak, sushi, and like some other cuisine. It's like I just you know didn't want to know what we'd want. Uh, we get a few few things here. There's a camera uh, pointed directly at the dinner table that we are aware of. Um, and also during this little dinner table scene, um, we learn that James is listening. So she's kind of confronting him like, listen, if this is going to work out, if we're going to do this again, she's like, I need you to con- like confess. Like, this was you the whole time. And this was weird because I was kind of believing him for a minute. Like, uh, like, he was really good at convincing. I'm like, huh. Maybe there is more to this. I don't know. Because there's been a few twists and turns in this movie, and you don't know where the next twist or turn is going to happen. And I'll be honest with you, this whole ending sequence totally caught me off guard. Really? Yeah. Did you you know know it the whole time? I I had a feeling where we were going because I didn't forget about a certain prop. I did forget about that prop, so I wasn't sure where this was going to go. Yeah. um, It is really well set up, though. Um, because the security camera thing is something that our first scene of the movie demonstrates she has intimate knowledge of the placement of these security cameras. In fact, we didn't mention it, but one of the steps of her exfiltration is uh, tweaking one of the security cameras to not face a certain direction because she knows where they all are. Uh, so while they're sitting down to this dinner, she's asking a lot of leading questions, knowing full well that James is listening. And basically she's trying to get a confession out of him and he is either in a, he's probably he's probably well aware of what she's trying to do but he doesn't care um i think cuz he he is he is not owning up to any of it he's throwing his brother entirely under the bus i think that he, he might know what she's up to but i think he might also just have like the delusion and the ego to like i can just convince her cuz i think that's why he needs her i feel like she is the he she is his punching bag. He can just do whatever he wants and he can manipulate her. So I think he's genuinely trying to convince her that he's not... I'm not the problem. He was the one doing this. So it could go either way. He could know what she was doing. But I think I think that he was just genuinely trying to convince her he wasn't the one doing it. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's interesting because like, for me... It, like the movie, I think, is trying to tell you that like he's a slimy, no good son of a bitch, mm-hmm. and everything he's doing here is an outright lie. But fact of the matter is, it's never actually confirmed. Yeah. Like like it never liter- it never actually is explicitly confirmed. It's all it's it's all aided by her being our our perspective. Mm-hmm. Like this is the first conversation we've had with this character. Yeah. So we all we have is her word. So. Um, it's slippery, honestly. Um, so there are layers to it, but um, there is a moment where she's deeply upset, and he comes to her side, and he puts his hand on her thigh, and uh, he uses that that trigger word again, surprise. I think he uses the phrase that shouldn't come as a surprise in reference to like the two of them, like he knows her better than anyone on the planet or something. Mm. Um, but he uses that word that again. This is interesting because like it at this point we the viewer are trained to to take certain meaning from that word i guess Mm -hmm. um but again we we only have what we're given here but 
Um, she excuses herself, and then she takes a deep breath. And then, Kyle, do you want to walk us through this uh, this surprise ending here? Yeah. So she's in the bathroom. She takes herself a deep breath, and she's like, okay. And uh, Adrian is just sitting at the table, and uh, I think he has a knife in his hand. Maybe he's getting ready to cut something. I don't know. But the knife is in his hand, and all of a sudden, it just jerks up to his neck, and he just slices his own throat. Uh, at least that's what the camera sees. But you and I both know that somebody's got the Invisible Man suit on. And it, it did like totally get me. I'm like, oh, shit, that's fucking brilliant. Because then it came back to me, that's right, the suit was in the other room. They never found it. Um, yeah, so it was a nice little move. And then you see her like uh, out of the Invisible Man suit come in and start screaming and call the police. Like, oh, my gosh, I, my, my boyfriend just tried to kill himself. And while this is all on, uh, on video, she hangs up and then she gives him, does she give him the surprise before or after she calls the police? I think it's after. Yeah. I just have a uh, bathroom. Outstanding. Surprise. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, she calls the cops and she does all the pantomime of, of the panicked phone call in clear view of the security camera. And then she casually steps just out of its, its view um, and just looks him dead in the eye and gives him a surprise. <laughs> surprise. Yeah. It's yep. pretty awesome. It's a pretty nice little ending to the movie. Um so yeah, uh, James outside, having heard this, is concerned. So he comes running to the door as just as she's leaving, and she's got a bag with her. She just tells him, "Yeah, uh, he we tried to sit down and have a conversation, and then I went to the bathroom, and he just he slit his own throat. I guess he was more unstable than I knew." And James is just like, "Uh, I don't know about all this," and he's like got a suit in there like what you got in the bag kind of thing and it's like he knows the score he knows what happens like you heard the whole thing you know like yeah so he she basically has her alibi and everything and yeah yeah and uh, i think she brought the dog with her too yeah good uh, give that boy a good home (laughs) seriously um but yeah our concluding shot is uh by the way the score for this movie is done by benjamin wallfish who I immediately recognized, I love when this happens because it doesn't happen all the time, but um, there was a certain uh, little piano section that came in um, when her sister uh, gave her the internet article saying that Adrian committed suicide. Like the piano came in and I was like, oh, that's Benjamin Walfish. And uh, sure enough, it was. Uh, He's kind of like a horror maestro these days. he does a lot of Blumhouse productions. Um, he did those uh, Stephen King's It movies, the the two most recent ones, and uh, my favorite, uh, A Cure for Wellness, one of the one of my favorite scores uh, the past decade or so. That's a Gore Verbinski movie. Um, we'll get to it someday. Okay. I bring it up enough. <laughs> but anyway, the score kind of swells, and our last shot is her just kind of staring directly into the camera taking a deep breath and it's i want to say it's intended to be like a hopeful ending where it's like we began our film with a form of escape and relief and now it's like it wasn't until the end of all of this until our two-hour journey with her um that she actually achieved that and this is like her taking a deep breath and physically removing herself and spiritually removing herself from all this awfulness Mm mm-hmm um, so it's, it's surprisingly like a mega happy ending for a horror movie. Yeah, which is which is weird, but 
it kind of works for the story. It would have been a bit too dark for me if she just goes back to him. I wouldn't have been happy with that as a as a horror movie ending. Well, it's funny because when we were getting into this this like wrap up section here, Kyle is is where like other parts of my brain started to come into effect. Unfortunately, I'm too I'm too wiped out to fully tap into them. But it's like there there is territory here that could could make for like a Gone Girl. Like, yeah, um, like a a much darker take on things. Like yeah. there, there's a lot of different routes you could have gone with this. Like, I don't know, you could have had like a, a last minute reveal, like of actual delusion on on the part of our protagonist, because a lot of the problems she's going through throughout the story are people thinking she's losing her mind, yeah. but we, the viewer, being because the movie is framed so strongly from her perspective, we, the viewer, never really believe that. It's like, yeah. oh, it's called the Invisible Man. Obviously, like it's spelled out to us that no, there actually is someone out to get her. Um, like you could do something like that where it's like, oh shit, she actually is, is losing yeah. her mind. <laughs> this isn't this isn't an Ari Aster production. This isn't a twenty four. So this is universe. This is universal. We're having fun at the movies with the monster movie, dude. Yeah, yeah. we had well, a good and, triumph and, over evil. And the other angle is the one that in today's climate especially you absolutely couldn't do is that he actually wasn't responsible like it actually was tom and he like just he was an abusive they were in an abusive relationship but all the invisible man antics actually weren't him yeah <laughs> um, yeah that would be gaslighting the movie yeah <laughs> that but we're we're not that's not I'm not the pro- I'm not the problem. He's the problem. Yeah, that. Would, yeah, you yeah. cannot. You couldn't do that. Yeah, no, you couldn't. Nor should you. Um. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, this I guess draws a close to uh, the month of Moss. Yeah. Uh, how'd you feel about it on the whole, Kyle? On the whole, it's pretty good. Uh, I think her smell was actually the only one that I didn't really care for uh, too much. Uh, I actually like going back and contemplating Shirley. I I, I actually I liked Shirley. Um, I think the best though was the uh, the one I love. I think that was probably the best of the movies that we watched. Uh, although I, Shirley's kind of tied there for me. Those two are really close for me. Okay, yeah, I I think uh, the one I love was the most like thoroughly engaging. Mm-hmm. Like I was invested in that from beginning to end, and it it's 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 a fun watch. I could I could see myself recommending that to almost anyone. Um, the the square was very interesting. You missed that one. Yeah, I did miss that one. Um, I was very glad I watched that. Um, only trade off on that though is that Elizabeth Moss is in a very small role in that. Ah, okay. Um, she's she's really good when she's there, but she's not there all the time. But uh, I would say those two were my favorites this month. Yeah, I actually did pick up my Shirley Jackson. I got uh, Shirley Jackson books. Uh, four of her novels or novellas but yeah i managed to track down some some of her books uh so i'm going to give those a read after i finish this awesome book that i'm reading right now which i would strongly recommend you read i'll tell you about it after we get off the air um yeah i uh this was fun i i found this one to be pretty good time um i i don't think i'd recommend it to anybody i'm like this isn't like you need to see horror but if you watch it you could find something worse for sure Oh yeah, no. There's way worse ways to spend two hours of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, this was the Invisible Man, uh, directed by Lee Wannell, and of course, uh, starring the star of this entire month, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Um, 
But in the meantime, uh, folks, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have a couple social media accounts in the form of an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as a Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the podcast is available on any platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. Google it. Uh, but that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.